Glitch Free Gaming. Hey everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 166. Hooray! Hey! Kieran? Yay. Thank you. Oh, uh, we. A little bit. See next time, a bit more feeling, and then we can. Okay, once again from the top. <laughs> nah. Uh, yes, we're back. Uh, we had a bit of a hiatus last week. Uh, the usual real life getting in the way, pesky bloody jobs and things like that. And so we weren't able to record last week. But uh, it just means we've got uh, quite a load of games to talk about this week. So what are those games I hear you ask, Paul? Those games are Mafia 3. No, you see, you messed that up. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that, you were meant to say, what are those games, Mike? Oh, see, no, I, that, well, I, I, <laughs> you asked me what they were. <laughs> uh, I think we, we we need to plan these things a bit better. Uh, also, the fact that, that Paul's under the weather this week. Um, yeah, no, I'm mentally deranged. Then you asked me a question, which I know the answer to, so I'm going to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, tell us what games are we talking about this week. <laughs> We're going to be talking a bit about Mafia 3, um, a bit about Pokemon Sun, which I think a couple of us have played. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk a bit more about the Steep Beta, which I think uh, you've caught up and finally played, Mike. Yes. A little bit about the new Final Fantasy 15 game. A little bit about World of Final Fantasy. A lot of Final Fantasy this week, guys. And uh, some Guilty Gear Revelator XRD in video games mm-hmm. and then we'll move on and talk about uh, some board games which you managed to play Mike and would you like to tell us what those are cool uh, board games we're going to cover the, this episode are Come to the Fishing, fishing Village uh, easy for me to say uh, Mask Men Tiny Epic Western uh, A Fake Artist Goes to New York Troll Deep Sea Adventure Game of Thrones Hand of the King uh, Katak number one which is one of the games we brought back from Japan uh, from <laughs> Essen it didn't go to Japan um, not yet I, I think I've yeah not yet uh, I think I've just caught what Paul's got uh, we're also going to talk about Catbox um, uh, Doggy Go Dead of Winter The Long Night Insider Joking Hazard Deception and Pandemic Legacy and we should be able to do all of that pretty quickly I would imagine as well um, you cool. say so, that pretty quickly. I, only yeah, furious. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but let's start off talking about video games. Kieran, you've played a game that I have played a tiny bit of, um, so I'm curious to see how far you've played and what you think of. So tell me all about World of Final Fantasy. All right, so World of Final Fantasy is Pokemon but Final Fantasy and kinda Kingdom Hearts ish <laughs> yes. and you instead of throwing out Pokemon to fight for you, you stack Pokemon up on top of your head. I, I keep on the Pokemon, <laughs> but they're like all different monsters from the Final Fantasy universe. Um yes. but you stack them up on top of your head and then Oh my god, it's just bizarre. Um, so it's a turn-based RPG, or you can set it to be a active time battle, like the kind of Super Nintendo and uh, early PlayStation uh, Final Fantasy games. And yes. 
you are basically it is basically Pokemon, and if people don't know, it's basically you're traveling around the world, uh, capturing these monsters and making them fight other monsters. Although it's a lot more story heavy because it's Final Fantasy, um, and all of the combat, like I said, is you you make your party and you stack them on top of your character. Although your character can also switch sizes, so you can either be a kind of tall Kingdom Hearts looking dude. Who like yep. the main guy just straight up looks like Sora from Kingdom Hearts, um, or you can shrink yourself down into Chibi form where you've got a massive head, which yes. is really dumb looking. Yeah, and there's different size classes for all the monsters. So some monsters will be large ones, and so if you're large, you can never use them. But if you're small, you can stack yourself on top of a large one. There's medium ones that can go kind of in the middle, and then small ones that can go on top of that. So if you're in your tall form, you can stack a medium-sized monster and a small monster on your head, and they literally just sit on your head the whole time. And <laughs> if you're like a hat, yeah, basically, it's like <laughs> imagine like imagine a Pokemon fight, but if Ash Ketchum came out with Pikachu on his head, like that is he literally does quite what a bit in the anime. <laughs> it's literally what this game is, and yeah. um, but it's quite a cool system though because the way it works is. You build these stacks of, you know, people and monsters, and the stats of those monsters all basically combine if they're in a stack. So you'll end up with a lot more health, you'll end up with a lot more MP, and you'll end up with access to all of the abilities they have. Yep, yeah, and when you hit, when you do uh, your, your hit points, your damage, you're doing more damage. Yeah, as well. exactly, exactly. You're basically taking all of their stats into one. Um, yeah, yeah. And you can like unstack, and basically it turns into more of a kind of traditional RPG kind of thing where you have a party of dudes that are all kind of monsters. Yeah. Um, which means everyone's individually weaker, but it also means that if there's a lot of enemies you're fighting, you can do damage to all of them at once because everyone's attacking. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just kind of a weird kind of risk reward kind of thing with that, and it's cool. It's just a really fun system. Yeah. Um, uh... I've been playing with the active time battle turned on, so it means that um, your turn order is like you have a set amount of time between turns, and the enemies have a time between turns, and depending on your speed and their speed, you know, fail. You know, that's how you move up this thing in real time, and it lets you, yeah, you know, do your attacks. Um, by default, it's set to turn based, which is kind of interesting. Um, by changed it because it seemed like a more fun way to play um mm-hmm. because it's it's not the hardest game in the world so no. switching it to active time battle actually makes it really kind of difficult because you're trying to get all these like attacks out real quick um and one of the weird things about it is there's two different like menus for the the attacks and stuff like that in the battles there's the basic menu where everything is mapped to like triangle circle square x and you basically just have all these kind of like, you know, shortcuts to spells and stuff. Or there's the classic style one that is basically just an old school Final Fantasy menu where you can go into attack, you can go into spells, you can go yes. into your items. And that's the only way you can access items. There's no way to access items in the basic menu, which is really weird. Um, <laughs> so you just basically can't heal using items if you're using the basic menu. But you can also yeah. switch between them just the press of a button. It's not like you have to go into an options menu or something. Yeah. Um, but it's still strange. Uh, I picked up on the Vita because I was kind of... I don't know, all the stuff between, with like Pokemon coming out and stuff like that, I did 
just kind of feel like one of those kind of games. And I decided to pick this up instead of Pokemon because I kind of fell out with Pokemon a while ago. Um, but I'm enjoying it so far. I'm not super far in it. I'm maybe like three or four hours in. Um, but it seems like surprisingly in-depth. There's like a lot to it, which I was not really expecting. Um, and it's very well written as well. Like there's a lot of good kind of comedy and humour in it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all voice acted, which I... It seems bizarre. Like it, I thought it was going to be a relatively low budget thing, but almost every line of dialogue in that game is voice acted. Yeah, it's a it's a very well put together and a well polished product. Yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent. And the Vita version's really good. I know you've have you played both? Because I know you picked up both, didn't you? I have. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You, um, you did the cross save stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, because the idea was I was going away and I wanted to play it for the weekend, so I bought the um, the Vita version, and then that was me. Uh, I then played it once and never, <laughs> I've never played it again on the Vita. Um, it feels it feels better on console. Yeah, well, I imagine uh, that makes sense. Yeah, um, it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the control system on the Vita, uh, and it still looks good. It just feels that when you're looking at everything on the screen there, it feels like it's been... And I'm not trying to slag the game off or anything, but it feels like it's been downgraded, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no. I mean, to be fair, it's, it's a PS4 game running on a Vita. It's, yeah. There's always going to yeah. be some, you know, some and, trade-offs. Yeah. And you can see that, and it's yeah. not not in a bad way. It's not like a poor port or anything like that. It's yeah. basic, you know. They they've done as as much as they can without actually, you know, making a PS4 portable. Yeah. Uh, so it does it does feel like you're playing a PS4 game, a, a, a port. Yeah. Um, is the yeah? It's the best way to kind of describe it. It does feel a lot. Um, a lot more intuitive and just uh, it feels at home in the PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the visuals, um, it is a very good looking game, even on the Vita. Um, yeah, I think, I think it, you'll... it looks real nice on the Vita. Yeah, um, it just because I played, you know, the first time I played it was on PS4, so um, it does look really good in the PS4. Mm-hmm. Um, so playing it a little on the Vita is. Yeah, it's a means to an end. It means I can take my game portable with me and I can play it when I'm on the train and things like yeah. that. But uh, given the choice, um, PS4 just for looks and it feels a little. Uh, it feels it works well on the on the PS4 controller. It feels good in your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, think say, I, might, I might end up picking up PS4 version at some point, like if it comes down in price a little bit and just right use it for cross saves. Well, yeah, well, what I would, yeah, keep an eye on it because they Sony will probably speak about this in the news, but they've just started their twelve days of Christmas promotion as well. Yeah, so hopefully it comes up on that. Yeah. Um, so how far are you in the game? Uh, I'm not very far. I at a section where a bunch of they basically kind of introduced the the concept of um, <laughs> the equivalent of like Pokemon trainers. Where there's a bunch of monsters that are showing up that have chains attached to them that are yes. you can't catch. 
Um, and they've set up a kind of uh, little camp outside the city, uh, the first city. Right. Okay. So still pretty yeah, early. We're, we're pretty much at the same place then. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. I will play more of it. So. Um, but yeah, it is it is quite good. Yeah, I am um, enjoying it a lot. It's making me use my Vita again. So. Yeah, it was it was one of those things where I thought I you know I wanted it on PS4 and I got it and then I thought yeah I really like it I'll get it on Vita mm-hmm. and even despite the fact that I've not really used it on the Vita much I'm not you know I'm not resentful of the fact it's I know that yeah. I will play that game and I will get loads and loads of hours out of it and I'm really you know you know how sometimes you buy a game and it's you're not happy that you've because you're not happy it's maybe not exactly what you wanted or it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be but you'll play it anyway just to <laughs> you know um you you'll just play it anyway and um yeah i don't feel that with uh world of final fantasy i'm really mm-hmm. you know glad that i bought it and i, I bought it twice <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah um but yeah, speaking of Pokemon games, both of you two have been playing Pokemon Sun. Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised neither of us picked up Moon, to be honest, but... I was going to pick up Moon, and then I picked up World of Final Fantasy instead. <laughs> Fair enough. I I was... I had a look at both of them, and I thought... Yeah, I like the I like the beastie on the, the, the cover of Sun, and the, the beastie on the cover of Moon. I don't want a, a Zubat that's it looks like a Zubat on crack. <laughs> it does. I'll be honest, that, that was a factor in me picking the sun. <laughs> um, my factor in picking was a little more in-depth research and stuff with um, certain exclusives to sun that I preferred. Oh, over fuck, fuck that. Talk about taking the joy out of Pokemon. There's always been... <laughs> there's always been version exclusive Pokemon. No, no, I know, but... Yeah, uh, you know we've we've always spoken of we've always kidded on about it as well. Is that you know I will play Pokemon and I will play it, you know, to the death when the game comes out and I'll finish the game and everything, and yep. I do it just I'll go through point A to point B and if I feel like it I'll catch them all. Whereas Paul plays it and Paul will go and he'll catch a Pokemon, but it's not the right Pokemon because it's got got the right fucking X chromosome or something. And no, no, I'm not up- that in depth. You were, you were at one point. I, I'm, I've got to look at the specific natures if you want to evolve them into specific things. I mean, my Eevee evolved into Umbreon and I was pissed off so I was trying to get a Sylveon. So, <laughs> motherfucker, I have to go find another Eevee now and hope to God I train it correctly <laughs> to get a Sylveon. I, the prosecution rests. But uh, <laughs> yes, so te- uh, tell us what you what you're thinking. How far are you? First of all, how far are you in? I am on the third island. Have not wow, okay. any of the third island trials yet. Wow, um, okay, you're you're cruising quite good. Oh yeah, through it, yeah. Freaking cruising like nobody's business. Um, finding it astoundingly easy to beat these island challenges. Right. Okay. Don't know if it was supposed to be harder or not. I think it's more difficult later on or whatever. But I, I breezed through the first two islands. I'm pretty much solidly focusing on story in the island trials. Um, mm-hmm. 
at least up until this point, I was pushing like buggery because I had Ash's Greninja from the demo that you can transfer over to the main game. Okay, but right. It only obeys you and it won't pay attention to you until you've beaten the second island's trial. Right. So I was pushing to finish the second island's trial so I could get the Greninja as part of my team. So I've now done. Sorry. Now done. As you say, what are island trials? Is that basically the Pokemon gyms? Uh, no, no. Um, well, yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> Essentially, it is. Make your um, minds up. So, they've <laughs> uh, totally done away with gyms. Yeah. So oh, basically, cool. the um, if you can remember, one of the things I've always said about Pokemon that drove me crazy was that you know there was no innovation; that it was always the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, but they changed that with Pokemon X and Y. Uh, and then they did a little bit more with uh, Omega, Ruby, and Sapphire. Um, and this, they've done it again. This time, they've taken the complete location and they've put it to it. It's essentially it's Pokemon Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they've created this this island, and it is it's you know uh, the name of the island is Alola. Yeah. You know, um, and it is it, the characters look like Hawaii. So Hawaii is obviously the the inspiration for it as well. Um, you have just moved to the island. Your cousin is the Pokemon professor, um, and he's a younger guy. And you get given a Pokemon because it's the whole island loves Pokemon, and uh, you're going on the Pokemon. What are they? Is it the Pokemon trials they call it? It's uh, yeah, it's the Pokemon trials. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you're off in the Pokemon Trials. The Pokemon Trials have you travelling through all the islands. And, uh, yep. And you are uh, completing in these trials. Uh, basically, it is, it's the gym trials, except, and I don't know if it changes. I've only done the first uh, trial on the, on the one island. Um, and instead of, remember when you used to go to the gym, you used to fight trainers. Yeah. You're now fight, uh, fighting Pokemon themselves. Yeah, you now fight wild Pokemon. Huh. Yeah. That's quite cool. Um, yeah, you, you can't catch them or anything, and they are, they're jumped up. Um, they're a lot more powerful than the ones you would normally find and try and catch. Uh, and you go through all of that, and once, once you've done that, the, the leader of the area, the, the captain, so it's not even yes. a gym leader anymore, they're called captains. The captain will come to you and say, "Well done, you've survived the the trial of blah 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 blah. Um, yep. Now you can go back into that area and you can now try and catch the Pokemon that you just fought." Huh. Uh, and then you move on. Um, it seems yeah, kind of like uh, they took the the Ghost Tower from Pokemon Red and Blue and Lavender Town and basically turned it into the structure of the game, where, uh, you, where you go up and you fight that. Marowak that is kind of you can't catch it is kind of this big Pokemon you have to fight. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go a bit more in depth. Yeah, yeah, you, definitely, isn't it? Yeah, this is that's what it Once you've it. beaten the trial and you've beaten the captain, the captain will give you a Z crystal for the type of moves that's only available in Aloha. Um So the first one gives you, I think it's and normal. Normalizium, so you can use any Pokemon that can use normal moves can use this crystal. And then they have super powered a one one tar- one move per battle. They can use a normal Z move. 
yeah. once you've beaten the captain of the island, or in the case of the second island, once you've actually beaten the three captains, uh, so there's three trials on the second island, you then face the kahuna of the island, who is like the, you know, the chief elder of that island, um, and you mm-hmm. then face them in a Pokemon battle. In the first island, he is a fighting type master. Um, and then once you beat him, it's like, hey, you've beat him. Now fuck off to another island. <laughs> yeah, now bug it off to the next island. Um, you've also got ride Pokemon in, in this, so instead of your Pokemon having to learn swim or fly or whatever, you once you gain each ride Pokemon, you can actually just call them at any time from your... Uh, Pokedex and Charizard will appear with a saddle on it and you can fly anywhere in the island you've previously been or Taurus will appear and it uses rock smash to get you through rocks or Lapras will appear and with a saddle on it and you can ride it around anywhere that there's water um, there's also a Stout Stout one Stout Lad Stoutland um, the big sheepdog Pokemon oh yes yeah. for uh, when you get to the second island the first thing you get is that and uh, you can actually use it for finding hidden items. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can trundle around the forest or whatever using riding that Pokemon and using yeah. hidden items, which you know, um, in some cases, have been really actually quite good for me. I've actually found a bunch of TMs that way. So that's cool. Uh, the, the ATM system was terrible. Well, let's be honest, it was it was terrible. Like, yeah, you basically just ended is... up with one shitty Pokemon that you put surf and rock smash and strength and There's waterfall no on, and then you're like, fuck it, these are this is the useless Pokemon that has these there's shitty no attacks. There's no need for an HM. There is there's no need for an HM slave. They've removed the need for it through okay. being able to call these Pokemon in and use them at any given time anywhere you are on the map. Man, yeah, you guys are making me want to um... play Pokemon. The, the other thing as well is um, the way that the game looks as well. So they've uh, it has gone more for the you know the 3D uh, isometric look. Yeah. It's not the top down is completely gone now. Yes, oh, cool. it, it looks so gone. nice compared oh, to the game. Absolutely gorgeous. Does it control well though? Because I remember Pokemon X and Y had that main set you could go into where it turned into like over the shoulder RPG. And it was yes. garbage. It was the worst thing ever. Uh, no, it controls. I I feel it controls, it controls really, well. really well. It controls um, really, really yeah. well. Yeah, the, the camera they've changed it as well. So you know, sometimes in in close spaces when you're in the towns, the camera is near enough on your shoulder. Yeah. And then when it uh, the section that I'm at at the moment, you're going up the side of a mountain, so the camera is actually pulled back and it's it's close to like top down isometric. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they've got the automatic camera controls uh, zooming in and zooming out at the right pi- uh, points, and it looks really, really good. Yeah, at no point, though, does it feel like that's bad or forced or it's giving you motion sickness or anything like that. It's done really, really well, as Mike says. Yeah. Uh, I am I'm really impressed with this one. Uh, it's it, Like I said, Pokemon has been getting better and better since... Uh, Pokemon X and Y, they've they have been now. They're making new games now. You know that they've kept the core uh, addictive thing of oh I need to catch my Pokemon. 
I yep. need to evolve the one that I've got to the next form, mm -hmm. and then oh, but I've just evolved my, you know, my I don't know fucking Pokemon out. <laughs> I need to go and catch another base one. Yeah. But, so it's still got this gotta catch them all. Um, and like you know, we knew that would never ever they would never lose it. They just need to keep you know keep it fresh in terms of the story. Yeah, they've and update the look. Mechanic, yeah, but... and they've done that. You know, eventually they've been dragged kicking and screaming into the, the 21st century. That's good. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know about you, Paul. Recommend it, yeah? Oh, yeah, highly recommend it. Even if you have felt disillusioned, even with X, Y, Omega Ruby, this game is... They've taken Pokemon, as you said, dragged the core mechanic kicking and screaming up to date reinvented it in in such a way that it feels fresh it feels new but it's still everything you love uh-huh yeah so. um i think the, the the other weird thing that we should talk about just quickly as well and then probably talk about something else is the new pokedex the pokedex is fucking great <laughs> it's so good so <laughs> yeah oh, I, was, I was reading a neograph thread about this that was I took. I mean, I take you're talking about the entries in the Pokedex. What? No. Talking about oh, Pokedex itself. Okay. Yeah. So what the Pokedex now is? It's this strange-looking thing, and then you find out that they found a way. They found this little electric Pokemon. Yeah, Rotom's called... been around for ages. Um... Yeah, but but they've now given Rotom a personality, and he can speak. Okay. So what happens is. They've they've now built the Pokedex the Pokedex that it can house a Pokemon. Yeah. So this Rotom goes. Yeah, Rotom goes, and you now have a Rotom Pokedex. Your Pokedex talks to you, and it Bizarre. says weird, weird shit. So you'll be, <laughs> um, you'll be busy offsetting for another route, and uh, Rotom says I w and it's really badly spelt because all the S's are like Z's because it, of course it's electric. Yeah, sure, that's how it actually <laughs> and, works. And it's like, I, eyes, eyes wonders what's next rounds the corner. Um, obviously, it's not voice acted, but that's the way it's written. <laughs> but and, also, uh, on top of that, it's it's also your mini map. So your mini map's got a set of eyes that constantly blink. <laughs> yeah. On the bottom screen of the DS. That's so weird. Oh, it, but is, it's it, nice though because there's actually instead of wandering around aimlessly to figure out where the feck you're going at times that you used to do in Pokemon uh, this, this, this Rotom Dex knows where you're going so there's markers to follow on the minimap mm -hmm. um, which is you know really nice for someone like me who used to be oh fuck it'll go that way and then two and a half hours ago <laughs> that route later oh shit after you go through an entire cave only to find out there's something you can't get past at the other side yet yeah, yes, um, that doesn't happen anymore. And as much <laughs> as that used to be great for, you know, training up and leveling and stuff, um, it's just it's nice to have, in my opinion, to have the waypoints that, hey, you're going here if you want to advance the story. If you don't, you know, I'll get off and do what you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it's, you know, it is a nice little addition and things like that as well. Um, but just quickly, the other thing that, Kieran was talking about as well is the um, 
the Pokedex, the entries, I haven't seen... Um, I've, I've read online about some of them, but uh, I haven't seen it myself. But the, Poked, the Pokedex now got the really strange entries for some of the Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. some of them are like really dark. Like, I've got the page open just now. Like, there's one for um, Komala, which is just a koala. Uh, that says it is born asleep it dies asleep all its movements are apparently no more than the results of it tossing and turning in its dreams yeah it's like what um, yeah <laughs> but i mean there's some of them are like really really you know uh dark as well there's there's one there's a pokemon called a uh, frostlass yeah <laughs> The description for Frostlass is, when it finds humans or Pokemon it likes, it freezes them and takes them to its chilly den where they become decorations. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's the, that monster, it's the same as the monster from The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> or there's yeah. um, Palo Sand, which is just a sandcastle. And it, the description of the sandcastle is, buried beneath the castle are masses of dried up bones from those whose vitality it has drained. Yeah, it's a Pokemon game that uses the phrase "masses of dried up bones." Yeah, there's uh, the, there's a Pokemon. Uh, the last one I'll I'll tell you about is a Pokemon called um, Toxapex. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> and it says um, Toxapex crawls along the ocean floor on its twelve legs. It leaves a trail of Corsola bits scattered in its wake. That sounds okay until you know that Corsola is a cute little Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> so it chews up this Pokemon and spit shits it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's um, yeah. Uh, it is a really good Pokemon. I am I'm very very surprised at how good it is. And there's just the little things like that. The the weird index, the, the weird indexes, and the Pokedex itself. That the, the game is just. I don't know. The the designers are being on crack or something. <laughs> they've yeah. they've just done something that makes it feel new, and it makes it yes. I don't I, I don't know what it is, but it just feels nice and it feels fun to play again. Uh, the story's not boring. Mm -hmm. It's like oh, you're taking on the league. No, it's uh, you're, you're and as much as it is, you're taking on the league because you're taking on these island trials, and each captain's got a specialty type of Pokemon. Blah blah blah. It's even just that slight change makes yeah. it feel so much nicer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've still got a long way to go, um, and I've been kind of just stabbing away, traveling to work, and things like that as well. So. Uh, I mean, I think I'm. Uh, I don't know. I, there's a possibility I'm further ahead than you with less hours. It depends how you're playing. Uh, I am. Um, I can't get out of a battle now. I'm in the middle of a battle, so I can't even tell I you how many hours I'm 20 hours playtime. Oh, God, no. I'm uh, I'm nowhere near that. My main Pokemon is only a level 20. So. Oh, God, no. Um, <laughs> my entire team is... Level 100. No, I've got level 36 Greninja, level... My starter Pokemon's 35, couple of 29s, a 30, and a 32. Because, you know, I grind my team to make sure they all stick around the same level. So if yeah. someone shoots up ahead, I'll change out my first Pokemon and literally grind until they're all roughly the same. 
Well, you, you can just use the the EXP share now because you get that straight. Excuse yeah, me, straight you get off that the straight off the oh, bat. That's good. Um, so it's not even it's not even hard to you know not hard yeah. to keep them all roughly the same level with the EXP share. Yeah. There's something um, I like about World of Final Fantasy as well is that all of your monsters level up at the same time. They all get experience, even ones that aren't in battle. As long as they're with you, if they're in your party, <laughs> they all get experience. Yeah. 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 So yeah, uh, you should definitely check it out. And also, if you get it, um, don't forget that to claim your mystery gift, so your free Pokemon. Um, claim that straight away, and it's a Munchlax with yes. a spe- a special Snow Z crystal. Yes, for only that and Snorlax it works with, but yeah. Cool. cool yeah now that the pokemon ranting and raving is over with <laughs> shall we move on and talk about the one thing all three of us have played mafia 3 yes yeah only i, I think we're all at completely different points i finished it yes so i'll tell you about them <laughs> it's, it's in the start of the game this is the good thing about the structure of this game yeah, <laughs> it literally starts with them being like, "Oh, so you know, you helped Lincoln Clay murder all the mob bosses." Spoilers: You murder all the mob bosses. It says at the start of the game. <laughs> it says it in all the flashbacks to the trial or whatever's <laughs> happening. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess you guys are newer to it now. So, what do you guys think of it so far? Uh, I am. I have uh, finished my... I, I'm now at the point where it's now telling me that I need to go and shake down, you know, various kind of organisations. and So you break up a prostitution ring. And I've just done that. Yeah. Okay. I, um, I, I, love the, I love the presentation of the game. The, the way that it's done with the flashbacks and everything is fantastic. The story is a... It's a very simple revenge story, but yeah. I love it. Brilliant, brilliant story. Very, very good. Um, the way that they deal out the... You know, the, the... Just the twists. You know the twists are coming at the, the beginning of the game. As they're telling the story, you're going, right, this has to happen. Um, because you've seen that many gangster films. You know that this is going to happen, and it does. Um, but it's done very, very well. It's all cinematic. Um, the voice acting, everything good. Um, the the shooting in the game. Mm-hmm. Thought the shooting was fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. I, I think everything uh, about the way it controls is great. Yeah. Why is it so fucking tedious though? Yeah. See the yes. M- the yeah. the minute this the minute you stop the main story the so you stopped all that. It goes back to the sandbox game, and it doesn't even. It's bizarre because it doesn't do it well. Every, everything about the game is good, apart from that. I, yeah. I don't understand it. I, I was sitting, I was playing it, and I'm going, this is not good. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with it. It's tedious. We've done it so many times in so many other games, and so many other games have done it better. Yeah. I just like. It- it all feels like it should have been side missions. Like, all of the territory control stuff feels like this should have been optional side stuff, not stuff yes. I need to do to progress the story. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
that is yes I, I think yeah I think I've said it all yeah that never changes I, the whole game is like that um, there's like a bit more of a balance of like less of that stuff and more story missions towards the end like they start right. throwing in like a handful of story missions at a time rather than just you know you do all this and you get a story mission there's like two or three instead um, but it's still mostly just the open world go to this place you know destroy these crates shoot these guys go mm-hmm. drive to the next place um, although it got to the point where I got pretty good at all of the like killing enforcer stuff to the point where like no one even saw me anymore I was playing it almost like Hitman where I was just sneaking up assassinating the enforcer guy and not aggroing anyone else and just leaving <laughs> so I could very quickly get in and out of all of these areas without having to care too much um, but yeah, yeah it's like my favorite stuff in that game is you finish those open worldy bits, and you know every single time it's your buddy, your FBI buddy Donovan comes up in his weird rape van, and is like, "Hey, get in my van." Um, You're and... like, "No, again." <laughs> Pretty much, and he's like, "Hey, I've got some, you know, some juicy details about, you know, the next mob boss you've got to kill," and then it'll cut to. A cutscene of Donovan getting interviewed at a court, you know, in a court by judges <laughs> saying, "Yeah, we found this guy, you know, fucking hung up on a crucifix and burnt alive." And it's like, "Oh man, I get to do that." Oh fuck, <laughs> this next mission is gonna be so good, and it's really good at hyping you up for that stuff right away. Yeah, um, yes. It's just yeah, it's just a shame that there's so much kind of filler between each of the main missions. Right. It's like the opposite issue that previous Mafia games have had. Um, yeah, but the end of that game is pretty good. It's, it's in our game of the year list because there's a cutscene in there that I really thought was great. I'm very much forward to, or looking forward to playing more of it. I know I'm not that far and I know I'm going to get bored of the hey, there's a lot of stuff you need to do that's the same again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. But the story just seems so good that you want to plow through that to get to it. I would have finished this game like a week or so before I did if it didn't have so much filler. Like I would have powered through that story super quickly. Yeah. Um. So it's just a shame. But it's one of those games where it does so many things so well. Like I also recommend if you haven't already in the options there's a simulation mode for driving. Yes, I've done that. I recommend I've not. that one if you haven't. It's so good. I've not because I'm terrible at driving anyway. So oh, it's so watch? good though. Your car's just going to start like just fucking hammering around corners real good. Um, I really like it way more. But it's not going to hammer around corners real good. They're 1960s American cars. They're bathtubs. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You got to really kick that back out, you know. <laughs> you gotta take I'm doing that real without fast. the simulation mode on. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's good with the story and everything. It's just the yeah, where they they decided to do the whole yeah. I just yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, world, it's frustrating. Yeah. Definitely. I want to say the world they've built, but the world that they have 
lovingly recreated and got pretty much spot on to the time period is just really really nice yeah, yeah. I think they did a great job with that city um, one thing I found kind of funny though is that they go a bit overboard with the whole idea of like Grand Theft Auto did it a bit better of the idea of like when you're driving around listening to the radio there'll be adverts and you know like very brief snippets of like talk shows and stuff like that it doesn't have like a talk show channel like on Grand Theft Auto there's little snippets mm-hmm. over here and there yes yeah. and Grand Theft Auto almost did that thing where every now and again like a couple of the characters you hear on there will be characters you meet throughout the story yeah. every single one of the characters you meet or you listen to on that radio everyone that's in an advert everyone that's in a uh, talk show you will kill at some point in that game. Every single one of them. To the point where I thought at some point there was going to be some weird twist where it was like they weren't actually hunting mobsters at all and Donovan and uh, Lincoln were just picking random targets off the radio. It was fucking weird. Like, they tried to do that thing of introducing, you know, names you'll recognise in the game and the radio stuff that you'll notice as you go and meet them later on, but... They do it a bit overboard in that literally all of them are that. It's weird. Um, that it, sounds weird as hell. Yeah. it's. It feels like they maybe should have had a bit more stuff on the radio. Because <laughs> they clearly went, oh, we need you know, this guy that uses this restaurant as a front. He's going to have an advert for his restaurant on the radio. And it's like, okay. Um... Is there anyone in this city that runs a business that isn't a gangster? <laughs> like, I'm confused here. It's yeah. No, it's the 1960s. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Um, it's a weird game. I really like a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, anyone else got anything more to say about it? Uh, no, not really. I just... <laughs> I've already said that I love the the world they've created or lovingly recreated. Uh, I just I want to play more of that story, <laughs> and I'm gonna get to it once I've put about sixty hours into Pokemon. See, I don't know. I don't know if I want to play anymore. If I have to go, th- if I have to go through all that tedious stuff, I don't know. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, I've played more tedious stuff for worse storylines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I played a lot of Final Fantasy Thirteen, but I fell out of that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> played a lot of Grand yeah. Theft Auto Four. That's Grand fair enough. Um, yeah. um, cool. Yeah, Mike. You finally yes. played the steep bit. I did, yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. So Paul's told you about steep and uh, you know the three different modes. So you got the skiing, the snowboarding, and the uh, the wingsuiting and parachuting as well. Um, I played that, so I played the exact same thing as Paul, and yep. yeah, it was all right. Uh, but I think more interesting thing is that I went and I cancelled my pre-order for Steve. Oh. 
Yeah, the opposite yeah. of what they hope you do when you play a beta. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and the game looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It it does. It looks really well. It's got good presentation, and everything. Um, and I played. I did some of the snowboarding and I did some of the the wingsuiting. And it takes you to the various mountains and it shows you how you can snap in and out of a mountain. All very good and everything. And I thought, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. And that's, it's missing that little extra punch. That little extra punch is not there. Um, and I think, you know, just a little thing that's going to keep you coming back because it's a little bit fun. Um, it's not SSX. I'll just put no, that right out there. No, it's, it's not. It's ne- it's never going to be SSX. It's never going to have that fun. Um, well, it's not as arcadey. It feels like it's, it feels like almost like the the drive club of snowboarding games or you know yeah, snow sport games yeah. because it's not super arcadey, but it's also not. A simulation. It's like this weird in-between point where yeah, yeah. There's more um, physics to it than most other things would have. The the demo felt it felt like um, hey, we've created this fantastic world, and you know you can snap in and out, and eh, there it's, it's there. It's I don't know. It's like going to a new gym. Right, you, you, you go to a new gym, you pay a lot of money to go, membership for the new gym, you go in and it looks all snazzy and, and they've got the brand new equipment and everything and you walk in and the guy behind the desk goes, eh, and you go, all right, I, how do I use the machines? Go, you walk over there and you use them. That, so that's kind of what it felt like, yeah. the, the the kind of tutorial that they had was, oh yeah, well you walk down, you walk over that bit and you you've got your snowboard on so that's it mm. go snowboard um if you want just jump up and twist around yeah, there you go and it, it yeah it just felt a little bit lackluster and i thought it looks very pretty but you've you've not done anything to hook me um see that's what i liked about it oh really yes it was the Here's how you snowboard. Here's how you change between stuff. Go figure it out. Go do what you want to do. Have fun. Uh, oh, well. I don't need lead by the hand. It's like, okay, here's the new mountain. Here's this run if you want to do it. If not, bugger it. Do what you want. Cool. Yeah, okay, that would be fine. That The whole sandbox thing would be fine, but, you know, it's a sport game. It's a racing game. It needs events. It needs... See, I felt there was more than enough events and oh, right. trick, trick points and everything like that to justify the beta. I, I really did. Um, I actually right. found I actually found myself, I'd finished all the events and was like, I want more. Give me some more events that aren't fucking wingsuit events or parachute yeah. events. Yes, um, yeah, that, that's what I, I kind of... It felt... The the other thing as well was it it felt like it was forcing the wingsuit on me. Yes, that's the only bit I didn't like. But I I love the whole um, not yeah. being led by the hand thing. Just everything you've said you disliked was what made me want to pre-order it. Right. 
Um, yeah, and it, so it got to the point afterwards that um, it's like, okay, um, I still quite fancy the game, uh, you know, playing about with... The presentation should be a lot better in the finished product and things, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it right away. It's not a day one purchase anymore. Yeah. I will wait for the price to come down. I'm kind of feeling the same. Like, I yep. liked... I didn't play much of the beta, but I liked what I played of it, but not enough to pre-order it. Yeah. Which is yeah, a shame, because I, I came out of, uh, you know, watching the E3 conferences this year thinking, yeah, fuck, steep day one. It's day one, there's yep. no... Uh, yeah, I don't think... I don't think we did a an E3 roundup this year. Um, we did. But yeah, oh, did we? Yeah, we did. And we all talked about how much we thought yes. Steep looked really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, yes. we did. I think Steep, we, did, we, yes. we chose like a game of the show that we had seen and we all picked Steep. So Steep, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, it's just weird that, like you said, you know, betas are not meant to do that. But um, speaking of betas that didn't do that, though, um, Final Fantasy 15 was one that didn't. Um, Kieran, I know you played the beta, and I played both of them. Yes, and because they updated one of them. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, and it had the desired effect, and so much so that you have a day one copy. And how are you finding it? I'm enjoying it quite a lot, and it's also a weird thing though because, like I said, like there was. That demo of Final Fantasy XV, the Dusky demo, that came with uh, uh, Type-0. Type-0, yeah. Then there was an update to that that changed the combat system entirely. Um, and then there was the Platinum demo that they put out for free. That was the weird kind of Kingdom Heartsy one where you're small yes. and run around a table and stuff. Um, yeah. The final game plays nothing like any of those. Yeah, like they changed the entirety of how that game plays and controls multiple times. Like they already did that between the first demo, the update to the first demo, and then again between the update and the second demo. But yeah, uh -huh. it plays nothing like that anymore. It's bizarre. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I also actually bought and watched the movie that they did. Uh all right. Um, is so it what? Is it worth no, getting? And no, it's no. <laughs> this is coming to someone right. who like kinda likes Spirits Within and right. likes Advent Children because Advent Children's dumb. Like, there's no story to it, but there's some good fight scenes, and that's kind of. I fun. I I liked Advent Children. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, Advent Children's quite good as long as you're like going in expect not expecting something major because, like I said, there's no story in Advent Children. Like, it's literally no, no. just fake Sephiroths come and revive Sephiroth and then everyone fights. Like, that is yeah. the story. Um, Kingslave tries to do this weird balance where there's a lot of crazy action scenes and also a decent amount of story. Um, but none of it's good. Uh, I don't really recommend watching it. You could probably find, like, a YouTube <laughs> compilation of the fight scenes and that might be quite good. Um, <laughs> but it's weird, because, like, so many people I know have been, like, talking about, oh, you won't even understand what's going on in Final Fantasy 15 if you don't watch this movie first. And I watched the movie and I was like, you fucking liars. What are you fucking doing? <laughs> tricking me into spending a fiver on this goddamn movie. Um, yeah, literally all that movie says is like, there's a treaty between the nation of Lucius and 
that's the one that the main character's from. That's the one that uh, Noctis is yeah. from, Lucius, and uh, the Niflheim Empire. Yeah. So Niflheim offers them a treaty, saying, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, be a ceasefire. If they'll be peaceful, you just have to give us all of your land except for the, your main city. We'll let you keep that." Um, that's all good. Also, uh, Noctis has to go and marry this princess of this other kingdom we invaded at one point, which they never explain why that is a thing in the treaty. It's just there. Um, I assume the game will explain that in some way. But right. like th- this stuff's all explained in the game. Like they very, they very early on say we're on a road trip because hey, that's how Final Fantasy Fifteen starts. You're on a road trip taking Noctis to go and marry his you know, betrothed who he is to marry for legal reasons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for treaty reasons. And the movie basically says that. There's that, and then you see the city get invaded anyway, because they're like, ha, just kidding. Which happens, like, half an hour to an hour into the game. Like, it, you know, there's a cutscene that's literally just scenes of the movie, like, put together in that game. Which right. is bizarre. Um, but the game itself I'm really enjoying uh, I'm just saying don't watch that movie it's real bad <laughs> yeah um, but yeah it's, Final Fantasy XV is like this weird road trip game where you're playing as Noctis who is the son of the king of Lucius and the prince and he's doing stuff and he's off to get married and it's it's weird like parts of it feel like, parts of it feel like they've been they've missed cutscenes out in some way. Like the very start of that game, I don't know if you'll agree with me. Like you'll see as well because it is the very start of the game. The very start of the game has a cutscene that kind of sets up them leaving, and then the yes. cutscene ends, and then next thing is literally just they're pushing the car, and it's like, oh, what? <laughs> but yeah, the. Yeah. There's a little bit of dialogue that kind of sets it up that something happened. Yeah, but they, it kind of just skips everything. It's just like, by the way, a car's broken. And you have no idea yeah. how long they've been travelling, how far they are out of the city, which, slight spoilers for like two hours into the game, because I've only played like three hours of it or four hours of it so far. Um, but like an hour and a half, two hours of the game, you reach a point where they go, oh, we have to go back to the city. And you turn around and drive back to the city and it's right there. Like, the bit you're pushing the car from is literally right outside the city. Like, it would have been faster to turn back. It's, <laughs> it's such a weird design. Oh, um, the, one of the things I found weird was, um, so, where Kieran's talking about where you're pushing the car and you end up, uh, you find uh, a garage and you, you know, you take the car into the garage to go and fix, get fixed. And you bump into a character that um, there was a bit of um, uh, hoo-ha on the internet about her because the way that she was dressed originally. Um, I think she was showing a bit too much cleavage, or but I mean, anyway, she's still she's a, got I, a very terrible character model. Yeah, yeah. But, um, it's her name's Cindy, and she's a mechanic, and uh, so you're you're speaking to her, but it's strange. You don't speak to her too much. And, uh, you know, you, you speak to her in the cutscenes and, and you speak to her again and she gives you a side quest mm-hmm. to go off and kill some beasties. No problem at all. You go off and you kill the beasties. 
the first set of beasties that you kill um, or the first objective she's given you, you you complete that and the phone goes and it's Cindy and she talks to you and you talk back and she tells you to go and do something else but the exchange between the characters is like hang on there's this familiarity that they're you know the way that they're interacting it feels like I'm missing something you know like you were saying it feels yeah. like there's, they've skipped cutscenes but to be fair and that... I found so far I'm slightly further than you I think but so far Noctis speaks that way to everyone I think Noctis is just like supposed to be this really kind of like friendly guy who everyone just gets along with no not not even that but the, the way that um she speaks to him on the phone because yeah. she starts it um and it it does feel like hang yeah, on there's that the, the there's an exchange somewhere that's missing um yeah it's if that, you if you refill your car there she cleans your windshield oh does she and it's kind of exactly what you expect and it's like yeah. really like come on guys it's 2016 come on uh, <laughs> yeah um, for a game that is kind of like so modern and has so many kind of new yeah. ideas and stuff like that it's like by the way also we have our equivalent of quiet from MGS5 <laughs> um, I mean what was wrong with quiet so much was wrong with quiet <laughs> um the the game looks absolutely gorgeous though yeah it looks fantastic um yeah um and it animates real well like yeah so many just little animations for things that are just so good like if you're running and you run towards like a small wall noctis will just like take a leap at it and just jump over it and it's just this nice little animation that does automatically it's really cool (laughs) yeah um so the I was just having a go at some of the, the small talk and the, the exchanges between um, Cindy and, and Noctis, but when you're running somewhere and, and you're going somewhere, the characters talk to themselves. It's kind of, it reminds me of uh, Dragon Age. Yeah. You know, yeah. that whole thing. Um, uh, except Dragon Age was a bit more, you know, the information was, it gave you a bit more about the characters. Um, yeah. The, the little bit we've been getting so far feels like it's filling in the backstory. So it's, um, yeah, they're like explain like you you learn about the fact that you know their marriage is part of a treaty because they're yes. talking about it yeah, in the car. Yeah. yeah. Whereas when in Dra- in Dragon Age it was more it it was just more about funny little ticks yeah. and funny little stories. Yeah. You you could actually get away with not paying attention to those. Whereas these ones, it feels like, ah, it's filling in the gaps. Yeah, which I, I kind of like. It makes it feel... Yeah. It makes the conversations feel a little more realistic because in Dragon Age, like you said, everyone's sitting making jokes and stuff like that, but... Or asking, like, you know, what, I guess they're asking other people in the party about really personal parts of their lives, which you wouldn't be doing while you're just, you know, traipsing through a dungeon... <laughs> Whereas everything yeah. in Final Fantasy XV that I've heard so far, at least, they're walking around, they're talking to each other, and it all feels contextual. It feels like they're talking about yes. what they're doing right now. They're talking about yeah. you know what is going on in the world right now. And also the thing that it does better than Dragon Age in that regard is also Dragon Age can assume that you have certain party members there because your party isn't static. You can bring whoever you want. 
Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 15, you have your four guys. You have... I was going to try and name them, but I fucking can't name any of them. <laughs> Gladio, Prompto, Ignis? Yes, Ignis. So yeah, Gladio, Prompto, Ignis, and Noctis. And they f- that is the four. So every conversation they have involves all four of them, generally. Because they're all there, mm-hmm. and they can assume they are all there, and they all talk to each other, and it feels like a real conversation of a group of people that are wandering around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at times it feels like yeah. a real conversation that has been translated from Japanese, but yes. mostly it's all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. W- one of the other touches that which I really liked as well. So um, earlier on, um, you are out hunting the beasties, and you, one of the characters said, um, "Right, we're about to, you know, take on a big beastie. I think we should set up camp." Mm-hmm. So, and it, it's a direct hint and a, a little text box the first time it happens comes up and it says some characters will sometimes guide you to do something um, this is just purely it's a hint you can do it whether you want to or not um, and you can you know so it comes up in the text box and you can choose what you want to do um, so that's fine and I said yes we'll camp So and it points me to the nearest place where I can set up camp um, previously in Old school Final Fantasy games, you know, like um, I think it, it was in seven, and it definitely was in eight. You would find a little area where you could camp, and it had the little spinning save point. Yeah, yeah. You I would think go- four and five and six and all had that as well. Yeah, you you would go up to it, and you would save, and you know, it would give you your menus and where you could do everything. Um, it doesn't. This doesn't do that because obviously we're you know we're in shiny next gen <laughs> and you go to the camp the campsite the characters there's a cut uh, a cutscene that plays where the characters are building the camp mm-hmm. and a bit making tents and they're, they're making the campfire and everything and it's an evolution of, of the you know in Tomb Raider uh, yeah. where Lara's sitting at the campfire and she's sitting you know. It's an evolution of that because you actually see them building the camp and uh, at the end taking the camp down and yeah. cooking the meal. The meal gets put in front of you and everything. Cooking the meal is kind of one of the important bits. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Cooking the meal. Yeah. Uh, uh, like there's a whole kind of, not quite mini game, but there's a thing, a mechanic built around it where eating certain types of food will give you certain bonuses and one of your characters is basically kind of the cook. And yes. He enjoys cooking, so he cooks and the more he cooks the better he gets at cooking the better bonuses you get so you want to camp more um which is cool it's a weird thing uh but there's also other stuff like you want to camp because you want to sleep because you don't level up in this game through battles yes you you fight things which we haven't even talked about the fighting system yet but we'll get to it eventually <laughs> there's a reason why we're leaving it the last or at least for me because it's one of the least memorable interesting parts of it for me um yeah but you fight enemies you do quests in fact quests give quite a lot of xp now as well um and it shows you a little thing and it's got one of the things this game does really well is just all of its ui is really nice and it has just this little thing that pops up and it just shows the experience kind of going up. But you don't level up at any point while you're out in the world. You have to go back and camp or you can rent a kind of caravan or there's like hotels you can sleep in. And when you sleep, 
you then cash in all of your experience basically and you'll level up a bunch of times all at once mm-hmm. um and you get bonuses depending on how you're sleeping if you're camping you don't get a bonus because you're you know you're sleeping rough basically um if you sleep in a caravan you get like a you get 1.2 times the experience you have if you sleep in a hotel it's nice and comfy and everyone's happy so you get double experience but it costs more money um oh that's weird it's a really weird but cool system so you just end up yeah. leveling up like four times at once and it's like what what um and then you get action points that you put into sphere grid system that is basically the same system from final fantasy 10 which is great um yeah at least i think it's great um and there's like eight or nine different kind of sphere grids you could put things into that are all just yes different upgrades for different types of abilities so you get all your combat abilities you get your fishing abilities you get your you get to upgrade ignis's cooking um, you upgrade Prompto's ability to take photos because Prompto <laughs> will just take photos as you're fighting and then every time you camp he'll bring out all his photos and be like oh man look at these photos I took and they're all terrible because they're just randomly taking screenshots from Prompto's like wherever Point Prompto view, was yeah. standing in a fight <laughs> and they all look terrible because it's you like clipping through an enemy and dumb <laughs> things like that that you don't notice when you're fighting but when you take a screenshot of it, it's like, oh, okay, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> but saying saying that, there was a couple that um that he'd taken that were actually quite good. I think the good ones are hard coded in. Right. Okay. They're very. I don't know. I I would need to compare with someone else that's played it or play it again because they look fake. <laughs> it's right. that kind of thing where it's like I don't remember that character ever doing that attack in this fight or standing that way or whatever it's like i think maybe they've put a couple of good ones in here just to right just, just to think, make yeah. it look a bit nicer um but i'm also interested in leveling up his ability to take photos to see if he takes better photos because that'd be pretty <laughs> good <laughs> yeah um it, uh, it's just a lot of nice touches the um but it feels like and it's probably you're going to say this about the combat but it, it feels like They've created this really nice world and they've created a really good experience and they want you to experience the as much of it as possible in the best way as possible. Mm-hmm. So they've given you all the characters. They're all going to talk. The only thing you need to do is guide these characters from point A to point B. And I don't mean that in that it's, you know, it's linear just walking down a corridor. It feels... Yeah. It feels like they've, they've given you all the tools. They've put everything there. And it's like, all you need to do is play the game. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. They, they, because yeah, it's, it's um, definitely not linear, it's worth noting. Because it is a really big open yeah. world thing. Like, the world yeah. is massive. There's a lot of... In fact, one of the things that I've not been liking so far, but it's something I assume gets fixed later, is there's a lot of just running, like, to nowhere or you know two places you know yeah. there's like big open spaces where there's nothing between point a and b and you're running there because yeah. you stopped your car at the closest road and you can't take your nice fancy car off the road so run um but there's also a bunch of points where you can get chocobos from which i assume later in the game you can use those to get chocobos and that would probably fix that um, yeah but yeah. early on that's not the case have you reached um there's like a kind of hotel thing that's out on 
It's like on stilts on the water. No, no, I haven't. Okay. I haven't reached that yet. Um, I have played. So you're talking about, you know, you can do whatever you want and things. I spent half an hour playing a a, a video game. <laughs> an, well, an arcade, arcade machine, game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that thing's um, great. It, yeah, spent half a, an hour playing a game inside a in, game. I did, yes. I think they're really small phones. Really? I think I read it, that somewhere. You, you just keep it, it's a strange little it's a mini game um but you you keep playing and playing and i wasn't i didn't seem to lose and the game didn't seem to end and i was waiting for it to end eventually i just quit i just walked away from the machine i was the same like i don't understand i assume there's a way to lose i assume yeah, eventually that, it'll ramp up in some way but yeah um because I, I kind of figured it figured the controls out um pretty quickly and yeah i was the same as you i just kept killing bosses and new boss encounters new yeah. characters new level and it was like I, I was waiting for something else to happen and i stuck with it for half half a bloody hour yeah. it was good i i enjoyed it it was fun and then i came back into this gorgeous lush world and uh it was getting late so i'd uh i, I spoke to somebody in the diner and it said you can go on a hunting mission and the guy and they've warned me you know they're telling you oh you can go after the you know the really dangerous ones yeah that'll i'll do them <laughs> and the the game says they're really dangerous and it's like yeah it's fine it's i'm i'm going to bed so if i die i don't care uh so you you wait for night to fall and you go out um yeah it's kind of got this weird thing as well where um there's certain enemies and certain things that only come out at night and the yeah. the more dangerous ones come out at night yeah. Um, and, so uh, I did. No, oh, sorry. I'll let you go. No, no. As I say, um, when you get in your car, you could set it to auto drive, which you kind of want to do because the driving is kind of terrible. It's, oh, yeah, it's not it. very good. There's not really yeah. anything to it. It's literally just you hold down, accelerate, and go down the road, and occasionally turn a corner. But there's not. You can't drive off the road or do any cool open world driving stuff. It's just kind of very linear. Um, yes. Which again is weird, given the world is so open. Um, but Ignis will drive for you if you set it to automatic and yep. you can either fast travel or you can just sit in the car and listen to music and you can <laughs> buy cassette tapes with old Final Fantasy soundtracks to listen to on your drive which is great um, oh yeah, no I'm doing that <laughs> yeah, I bought the Final Fantasy 4 soundtrack and <laughs> listening to that so good um, and you know, again, also they'll have conversations in the car and stuff like that. Um, but Ignis won't drive at night. So it has yes. this kind of cool system, though, where you won't get just stranded. If you go back to your car at night, Ignis will just prompt you and we'll just go, I'm not going to drive at night because there's demons and stuff out. But if you want, we can just go back to you know, the last outpost we were near so that we can sleep. And yeah. it will just fast travel you there automatically. Um, doesn't charge you for it or anything. Which normally, if you fast travel, it costs a little bit of money, but not much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was quite cool. Or you can just get in the car and drive around. But apparently, I've not actually done it yet. But apparently, demons and stuff will be kicking around. Ah, right. Yeah, I need to try that. Yeah. But, yeah. So I I went out night went out at night expecting to get um, killed and. It gives you uh, so when you when you're doing the combat and you are getting beaten up and things like that, 
it gives you various prompts and opportunities to make sure you don't die. Um, and it was quite a, it was quite a lot of me doing absolutely nothing to make sure that I did get killed. Yeah, there's a lot. It's very forgiving. It's very yeah. To start with at least, it's very easy. The whole thing is very shallow as well in terms of combat. Like, yeah, yeah. The combat is essentially just like hold circle to attack. You can yes. switch weapons with D-pad, and you can equip magic, which is great. I mm-hmm. really like the magic. Um, hold square to dodge things. Yep. You get bonuses if you attack from the back of an enemy. You'll attack and do more damage. And if you attack from the back of an enemy with one of your buddies near you, you'll kind of team up and do a link attack, which does even more damage. Um, yep. You can use the triangle button to throw your sword and then teleport to it, and that also does damage. Um yeah, and what you can do is if you do that and you're behind the enemy, so you get the bonus damage for doing the teleport attack plus the bonus damage for the blindside attack, and yeah. if the guy's next to you, you get a bonus for the chain. So you can chain all these things up. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's a fun enough can, system. It's not super in-depth. Yeah. It's not... Like, if this was all there was in the game, like, if there wasn't, you know, the big open world and all the stuff to do and the interesting conversations and story and stuff like that if this was like an action game that had this combat we'd be calling it super disappointing yeah but the fact that it's an rpg that this combat is good it's not great but it is good and it has all this other stuff built around it that yeah you know it's good enough yeah kind of it's kind of how i felt but the the witcher 3 combat in a lot of ways as well where the witcher 3 combat again if it'd been in an action game we'd be saying that action game was bad but Mm -hmm. it you know, as part of this overall bigger thing, it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's the combat's definitely not the the kind of best part of it so far, but it's still good. Like again, it's it's very flashy. There's a lot of cool attacks and stuff like that you do. There is some yeah. strategy to it. There's a lot of like different enemies will move in different ways and attack in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, although I found myself mostly like if I get kind of in trouble at all it's mostly because i've been overwhelmed by enemies rather than because something was super strong yeah um, yeah if something is super yeah. strong you kind of just dodge it most of the time and you pick away at yeah. it really slowly yeah. um if it but if there's tons of enemies then the moment you try attack one thing then four other guys attack you so you can't dodge it yeah um yeah. but i i'm enjoying final Fantasy 15 so far which is kind of not really what i expected i <laughs> half expected to <laughs> pick it up and be like, well, this was another Final Fantasy thirteen. Great. But it's actually really good. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. The, the only game we have left on this list of video games, spoilers for people, yes. we have a list of video games here, like we read at the start, is Guilty Gear Revelator Excerpt, which is, I'm pretty sure, not the name of that game, but close enough. <laughs> I think it's Guilty Gear Exod Revelator. Yeah, I don't know. I reviewed that game. I don't remember. (laughs) So uh, I picked this game up on was it Cyber Monday or Cyber Tuesday or fucking give us money because it's Black Friday weekend. Black Friday week, whichever. Yeah. 
Which is then proceeded to be followed by Cyber Week nowadays yeah. instead of Cyber Monday. Yeah, Amazon yeah. did their fucking Black Friday deals all week last week, and then I was like, okay, all those deals are gone, finally, that's awesome. And then on Monday, they're like, ready for a new week of deals? And it's like, oh, God, <laughs> Jesus, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so, one, actually, the only game that I picked up uh, was Guilty Gear. Um Guilty Gear has been a series that I've kind of dipped in and out of in various platforms. Uh, I think I've got a, a 3DS game or a DS game. Uh, I played quite a load of the PSP Guilty Gear, uh, two Guilty Gear games. And it's just one of these strange Japanese fighting games that is always been fun to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you ever try and figure out the story, I'm pretty sure your head will explode. Yeah, especially this one and the last one where they have this big in-depth story mode that you don't need to play because there's no game in it. It's just a movie. But it's a movie. It's it's not really even just like a visual novel. There's definitely visual novel parts of it where you're just kind of tapping through text. But there's a lot of like in-depth animations and stuff like that that are not used in the game. And it's like weird that they put so much effort into this weird story mode. Yeah. Yeah, very strange. Um, And then... Yeah, very, very pretty. But what you can do is you can select chapters. So it, the thing has story mode has chapters. Yeah. What so the you hell? Don't have, yeah, you don't watch the whole thing in in a one go. Yeah. And um, if you're watching it, uh, so I started it and I uh, I it's thought, really oh right, well. story mode. I'll play story mode. And I'm sitting there for like ten minutes. It's going through all this stuff, and I thought, oh, okay. That you know the text saying you know you don't play you watch this was absolutely right. I not it's not yeah. an exaggeration. So I come out of it and it says oh um you know you're in chapter one but it saves your progress as well. <laughs> yeah, it's um bizarre. Uh, Remember this is the, by the story... same guys that made uh, Blaze Blue, which has the exact yes. same stuff in it. Yeah, um, but it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, story is completely bonkers a lot of the characters is uh, quite a few of the characters that i know um may which is the little girl with the the big anchor um she's a, a sky pirate yeah uh um so i've played through her um arcade bit i've used uh, i know which is the the musical witch with the possessed hat mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah, uh, it's like the sorting hat on. Imagine the sorting hat had a really bad day, <laughs> and it was hungry, and it would, and it just fucking eats everything. It's a cross between the sorting hat and Pac-Man, really. Is I know that. Yeah. Um. So there's, there's I know there's um so bad guy and quite a few other characters that I know. Um. Yeah, fun little fighting game. I've been using the they call it the style mode. Which essentially just bash buttons and you'll pull off amazing combos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Blaze Blue had the same thing as well. They added that yeah. where it's just like if you want to do flashy, cool things, this is the one. Or you can turn it off to play it more like a kind of traditional fighting game. Yeah, um, and because I am playing this purely for myself and my own enjoyment, uh, I'm not interested in learning all the combos and mm-hmm. min maxing and all that stuff. Fantastic, brilliant. Uh, picked it up on sale. It was, I think, ten ninety nine, worth every penny. 
Yeah. And I was very well at first when I seen the game in the sale, I thought it was the preview the the prequel to this. Yeah, they've not named them very well. Yeah. Um, Guilty Gear Exert Sign and Guilty Gear Exert Revelator. Yeah. Um so but yeah, if it is on sale ever again or you see a cheap physical copy, um and you're curious check it out uh, Guilty Gear it, like I said it is a very very bizarre uh, wonderfully so bizarre fighting game with some of the characters um, and yeah you should yeah. check it out uh, sounds like something I actually might go pick up you you would yes. like it Paul because you liked um, Blaze Blue I love Blaze Blue yeah it's really cool yeah um, so I think uh, we'll we'll have uh a couple of more shots of it at Game of the Year as well, just to yeah, show up when we come to yeah. talking about fight, fighting game. And it is, it's one of those you can play it and it is very casual. Um, it's not like, you know, especially with that mode that we were just talking about, which yeah. for me, who is button basher extraordinaire, sounds fantastic. There's yeah. another fighting so, game that came out this year though that was even better as kind of a fun light button masher that. You guys are going to get to play it, game of the year. Yes, yeah, it was um, Nitro Plus Blasters. I, yeah, I keep looking for that, but I think it's one of those that we're never, we're not really going to see many price increase uh, decreases. Yeah, but, it wasn't super expensive when it came out. It was the thing, um, right? And it's like fifteen quid now, which is not bad. But I fifteen, don't think go, yeah, and not digitally. I, not, I, I was going to say not the not yeah. digitally. Yeah, yeah. No, digitally it's like forty quid or fifty quid or something like that, which is insane. Um, Jeez, it's like full price retail game, even though it launched physically for like twenty five. <laughs> so bizarre. Um, but that game's also really good. We'll play it yeah. the year. Yes, we will. Yeah. Um, cool. I think uh, that's as for board. Uh, not board games <laughs> for video games. So, um, cool. Uh, let's talk about some uh, cardboard games. That's what they're called. Uh, yep, the the good old cardboard games. Kieran, you have you had a board game day. You had people around your house playing some games and stuff. Um, tell us about Joking Hazard, because uh, we spoke about it in the last podcast. Um, we did. I'm curious. Yes, I'm curious to see what you made of it. Um, my opinion is very similar to what you said a couple weeks ago. Um, Joking Hazard, like it's basically Cards Against Humanity, but with Siding Happiness comics. Um, I again, everyone I played it with found it super funny the whole time. I found some of the answers really funny, but I felt most of the time it's way harder to make something that actually fits together mm-hmm. because there's the three panel things. Um, so the way it works for people who don't know is it's like Cards Against Humanity where you have a giant deck of cards, everyone has a hand of cards and every turn one person is basically the judge and they flip over a card from the deck and that is a panel of the comic then they play a card from their hand either before or after it to make the first two panels of a comic and basically the setup. and then people put down their idea of the third one as the kind of punchline basically 
uh, unless a red card comes out, in which case that is the only panel that shows up, and it is used as the last panel in the comic, and everyone has to put down a first and second, which I think is a way smarter way of doing the play two cards thing than Cards Against Humanity does. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it worked way better. But I just feel like a lot of the cards, like, well, they're just too... They only work in really specific scenarios, and otherwise they're just kind of, you know, random, really. And none of it yeah. makes much sense, and it's not super funny. Uh, sometimes it works really well. Like, I, there was definitely a handful of times where people played, like, a series of cards that I found super funny. Um, and overall, this is kind of light fun. We played a lot of it, um, and it was kind of basically the same thing as what you said, Mike, where... I was kind of done with it and was like, oh, we should move on to something else. And everyone else was like, yeah. nah, 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 we're just one more. We're just, just one more round of this. And it's like, oh, come on. Okay, fine. That's all right. Um, but it's all right. It's a good little kind of, you know, filler thing, basically. Yeah. Um, um, I'm, I'm glad you kind of felt the same way because I thought it might have just been me, but I think anyone that's kind of maybe played Cards Against Humanity, the length and breadth that we played it will probably the novelty would have worn off, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's still some hilarious cards and hilarious combinations to be had in it. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, so, like, we played a bunch of it and it was alright. Basically the way I would put it. Um, yeah. But you play a lot more board games than I did. I did, yes. I want you to tell me about Tiny Epic Western. Tiny Epic Western, yes. So Tiny Epic Western was a uh, Kickstarter. Um, so the Tiny Epic games uh, have been around for two, three years now. Uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, and so the idea of the games is that we're in smaller boxes, a bit like the Oint games. Yeah. You know, that it's um, a really big immersive game in a smaller box as possible. And uh, so Tiny tiny Epic Western is a worker placement game with an element of a poker added in it as well. So the the game is uh, you set up the the town the town has a town hall and it has a, a sheriff's office and there are other buildings around it as well um, but your your important one is your town hall and your sheriff's office uh, the within these these areas you can place your characters uh, around into any one of the buildings when you go to one of the buildings you will gain a benefit a lot of these benefits will have to do with playing cards mm. so the the idea of the game is that you are trying to buy buildings um, and you're trying to buy buildings because they will give you buffers they will give you uh, victory points at the end and they will also put you in a position to uh, get to one of the other locations the, the town hall and the town hall has victory points at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to buy your buildings uh, to kind of just prepare yourself and get yourself in a good position. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, position for the end of the game. Um, 
But the way that you do you buy buildings is you need to be uh, so that what happens is the the buildings for sale come up in various locations. So you need to place yourself in a very in a location. But to be able to buy that building, it's not just a case of saying, uh, oh, the saloon has the a building for sale that I want. Um, and it's not just a case of going to the saloon and buying that building. You have to go to the saloon and then you have to play a game of poker. And the way that this happens is at the beginning of each round, uh, every character, every player has two cards in their hand. Uh, is it two cards or one card? I forget now. <laughs> but you have a you have uh, some cards in your hand. Um, in between, oh yes, you have two two cards. Uh, and in between all of the buildings, there is one card. Um, so, like you know, you would have a building, and there would be a car, a playing card on either side of it. Uh, and your i your idea is to make the best possible hand uh between the two cards that you have in your hand and the cards on either side of you yeah you know on your location and it, Kieran if you and I are playing and we're both in the same location then we're playing against each other whoever has the best hand will win a <clears throat> excuse me we will win a a benefit um, so it could be some victory points or it may be another meeple to use in the next round or something like that um, but more importantly it means that one of us will get the option of buying first um, okay. so it means if you know if we were both going for the loca- for that building that was being sold in that location whoever wins would get the first option of buying it um, but if you're on your if you're yourself in that location that doesn't mean you automatically win oh no there is a kind of like an AI player and uh, there's a whole card that sits in the centre of the table um, and basically that whole card gets turned over and that that gets added to the card to the left of you (laughs) it gets added to the left and right of you and that is who you're playing against so if that card, uh, you know, this AI player, as it were, if he beats you, then you're beat. It's, um, it's quite weird. I'm still trying to get my head around it completely, and I am having quite a bit of trouble trying to explain the game as well. It's one of those that I, I'll play it and because um, it has a single-player mode, so I'll play it and I'll go, yeah, I don't know if I enjoyed that, and then I think about it, and it makes more sense in my head of what I've done yeah so uh yeah it it took yeah it took me a little while to kind of digest it but it's uh it's the 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 poker thing is very foreign yeah you know yeah yeah I've never been a big poker player no having um, poker elements in a other game doesn't necessarily you know appeal to me yeah no Um, it would draw to it yeah it's yeah. uh yeah it's it's a bit of a strange one so I'm gonna have to play it again um it's a wonderful design and like most of the the tiny epic games it's a perfect idea of what you can do with a limited amount of things yeah. you know limited space of the box and then you've got these components and um it's a, a friend of ours uh, Malcolm um 
who we went to Essen with and we were talking about the Tiny Epic Games and he said the he loves the Tiny Epic Games in that you know it's a fantastic lesson in design mm-hmm. you know just of game design all these wonderful components how yeah. they all come together but yeah the games leave him cold um and he was he was talking about the the earlier games which was tiny epic kingdoms and tiny epic defenders i think were the first two and he'd bought both of those and he loved the components and things but the games just left him cold um this is not done that to me and i still love tiny epic galaxies which was the which was the game before it which is fantastic and i've even backed the 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 new tiny epic game as well which is tiny epic quest yeah um, I, I was kind of looking at that one these always show up on kickstarter like i think they kickstarted all of them at this point yes um, they have yeah and it's been yeah. every time they pop up i look at them and i'm like yeah um so tight tiny epic western i will play again um and i think i need to and i think I, I need to play it with other people um just to kind of see you know see it shine i think as well mm-hmm. so um, yeah, where I was there. Uh, um, Kieran, you can tell us about saving the world from viruses. Yeah, so I finally picked up Pandemic Legacy. Um, this is one of the few things I picked up over Black Friday deals because it was slightly cheaper. It wasn't much cheaper. It was slightly cheaper. <laughs> it was still like 40 quid um yeah but usually it's like 45 to 50 so um yes. i picked up pandemic legacy and uh my girlfriend and i played through the first scenario of the january event uh well, so first we played just base pandemic with it which um uh-huh. is both good and bad you need to like the rule book is not really made for it because there's a couple of things it says ignore the rules about these if you're playing it without the legacy stuff and it's like okay but also it doesn't tell you like I had to look up my rules for base pandemic which I do own as well to be fair but I had to look up the rules to figure out how the game ends <laughs> because in pandemic legacy you get objective cards that tell you how to win the game and if you're playing just base pandemic using the pandemic legacy stuff you're not using those legacy cards or that no. have the objectives and so there's nothing that says the core victory condition in pandemic is cure all four diseases and there's nothing that tells you that so i had to look up the base rules to, re- to realize like have we won this game or not right um, which is kind of <laughs> dumb um, I realised actually when doing that that also we won our last game of Pandemic we played, which we never realised because we've only played Pandemic once together and we misread the rules and thought you had to eradicate all diseases to win but you've just got to cure them Oh, so, yeah, you just need to cure them Yeah, yeah. so we, we cured all of them but we were running around trying to eradicate all diseases and then we thought we'd lost because you run out of uh, cards to draw and that means you've lost um, Yes but really, we'd actually won like several turns before, just hadn't noticed. <laughs> um, so this time we got it right. We finished it, and we were pretty confident going in because we found it relatively easy. Because we were, we to be fair, picked the kind of easy combination, which is um, two player for starters is apparently a lot easier. Um, yes. But also, we one of us was the medic, and the medic can 
uh, for people who haven't played Pandemic, basically you're moving from you're moving across different spaces on a a map of the world, and treating diseases that are shown in little uh, plastic cubes that look like gummy cubes, um, on different places, and they spread depending on cards you will draw randomly from a deck, and mm-hmm. normally you have four actions every turn, and it takes one action to remove one of those cubes. If you're a medic, it takes one action to remove all of the cubes from the city you're in. So you can go around basically curing everything a lot faster. Um, And the other one is the scientist, which usually takes five of a certain colour of card to be able to research a cure, but scientists, it only takes four. So we had that. So I could cure things a lot faster, and my girlfriend could... Sorry, my girlfriend could cure things a lot faster, and I could treat things a lot faster in the in each of the cities, mm-hmm. um, which is a pretty good combination for like if you're trying to play it relatively easily. Um, yeah. Which we were because my girlfriend plays a decent amount of board games, and I play quite a lot of board games. But we still we didn't really want we wanted it to be relatively light for now, and assume the legacy mechanics will make it harder later. Um, yeah, you you also want it to be fun as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we didn't want it to be. You know, super difficult or anything. Yeah. So we played, we so played how... one stock game and we played one game of the legacy stuff, which we won. Yeah. Um, Excellent. I really like the legacy system. Um, from uh, For people who don't know, legacy system in this game and Risk and now Seafall um, basically means that you're making choices and decisions and things like that that will permanently affect your board game so you're putting in stickers and stuff like that you're you know ripping up cards like, yeah it's minor 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 spoilers for this but like you 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 rip up a card pretty early it's pretty good about kind of introducing you to that stuff where it's like it, the first game of pandemic legacy introduces you to kind of like or at least i assume i've not played the other bits yet but it introduces kind of the core differences where you will put down stickers pretty much right away you'll put yes. you'll tear up a card pretty much right away you will yeah. you know put down things that will change things permanently pretty much right away um and it's great i really like it I, who um who did the ripping up of the card uh my girlfriend did. <laughs> did, did did you do the same thing that i did it was like i know ways i'm not destroying any of the board game you do it no no she i just i read so for people that know the, you get a legacy deck that you go through, and the the backs of the cards will say, they they won't say anything, they'll say like read it or whatever. Or every now and again, you'll dig your way through, and it'll say stop, and yes. it'll say don't flip over this card until you're playing in February. Yeah. And by February it means like the second game you play, um, or stop, and don't do this until this certain specific thing happens in your game and if it doesn't happen in your game just do it at the end of the game and yeah, yeah so I read the card and right. she tore up the card as I was saying it I was like god damn it <laughs> um, which is pretty good but we also are pretty panicky about our like future games because one of the main mechanics that Legacy adds that um it's not spoilery in any way because it's in the rule book. Is you add stickers to the board whenever an outbreak happens, 
Yes. So yep. when an outbreak happens in a city, which for people to know, an outbreak is when three cubes of a disease are on that thing, and then you have to add another one. And instead, an outbreak happens, which means every city around it gets one, and the disease spreads basically, and it's horrible. And then the outbreak marker goes up one, and if the outbreak marker gets to the end of this little trail, you lose. Um, and that's the thing about pandemic is everything makes you lose. Um, but when outbreaks happen in Legacy, you also put a sticker on increasing the panic rating of that city. And we got some pretty bad shuffles at the start of that game. And the Middle yes. East um, was a disaster. It was it was hell <laughs> on earth. It was like real life. It was, oh God, it was every night like we ended up having like three outbreaks in the first like three turns because the middle east just fucking went disastrous um we managed to contain it so we only had one level of panic for each of those cities but those cities have one level of panic so that's worrying no that's fine that honestly that's fine oh really (laughs) (laughs) yeah um no probably by the end of your your campaign um a lot of your cities will have, you know, at least one sticker on them. That there's going to be some that's going yeah. to, it, it, it will get worse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then there's stuff that happens in that first one, that first game, like legacy stuff that I will not spoil. But there's stuff that happens legacy wise that means that, but is. It, it's going to be hard to be in that section of the map ever anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you you will find yourself looking at you know because you've got those cities that now have the the number one sticker on them, yeah. which doesn't do anything. Um, and again, this isn't spoilery because it's in the rules and it's on yeah. the back of the 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 box even. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you get one outbreak, you put a number one sticker on it that's fine you know the city's in it's it's panicking it's you know it's concerned about the disease that's in it you get another outbreak now you've got a rioting city mm-hmm. rioting city makes it more difficult for you to get in there you need to spend more cards to get in there and even to leave um and then you know it goes up to number three if you get a number three then you know, again, it's more difficult. You can't fly in. You can no longer fly into the city because they've destroyed everything. Um, and I think it goes up to, is it number five or is it number four or number five? Uh, I think it's, I think it's five. I'm not sure. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, um, so if you go up to number five, your city has fallen. It's done. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I like also, like, if you have a research base in... At level two city, even I think it is, it'll destroy yeah. it. Um, yes. And if you have a character that is, if one of the players is in a city when an outbreak happens, they get a scar. Yes. Um, which are just like you know debuffs basically. That yeah. didn't happen uh, because we were really worried about it. So every time it yeah. looked like a city was even close to having an outbreak, if I was... You got the fuck out. Yeah, like <laughs> even if my plan was I'm going to go into that city and wipe out the disease in it, I would sit outside the city at the end of a turn if I didn't actually have enough to get rid of it that turn. So yes. I'd be like, oh, I because I'm the medic, I can wipe out this disease like, and, or you know, treat all disease in this city pretty quickly. It'll only take me like one action. 
but I only have one action left, and that'll be to get there. So I'll just wait here a turn. <laughs> Next turn I'll do that, because if that blows yeah. up while I'm in there, I'm fucked. Yes. Yeah, we we did. We had very similar discussions as well. It is, it, it's fantastic, and I think you'll. Yeah, I look forward to after a couple of games. Yeah, I think after a couple of games, you kind of see why we were, you know, uh, why we were upset when we did the voting for the board game of the year last year. Yeah. And Pandemic Legacy didn't take it because there wasn't enough of us to play it, and uh-huh. the, just the way that we decided. But yeah. Um, definitely, you're, you're going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. So. Um, cool. So, to continue picking at the large list of games you played, um, yes, you went to the Glasgow Games Fest. Yeah, I we did, yes. And played a lot of games, but there's one yes. in particular that I've been wanting <laughs> to play for a while. Yep. And that's Katak number one. So you finally got it to the table. I did, yes. So um, Katak, for anyone that might have missed when we spoke about it on the podcast, is uh, it's a board game for four players, and it's cat volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you, so it's a, a team game, two against two, and uh, each of you controls um, two cat. Uh, the, the your Cat volleyball team has this contain um, is two rows of three, so there's six cats in total. Um, and the way that you would play the game is, um, you know, one of you would control the cats on the right hand side, one of you controls the cats on the left, and the cats in the middle are kind of communal. You will decide um, who's who's going to be playing for them um, should you have to. Uh, and uh, the game plays a little bit like volleyball. So there's a there's a cardboard ball that gets played. Um, so some, uh, the opposite team will serve the ball, and what they do is uh, they place the ball in your back row of cats, um, and they can place it in any one of the three cats. If they place it in the one in the middle, that's when the two of you would decide. You, you can discuss with each other who's going to play first. Yeah. Um, there's also there's uh, table talk is limited in the game, so. Um, everyone has, starts off with a hand of three cards, and you're not meant to. You're not allowed to say, "Oh, I've got these cards," and you can't compare. Mm-hmm. Um, you can talk about the cards, so uh, but the game encourages you to talk um, cryptically. So you, you know, um, the idea is to play the cards. What you do is you play a card from your hand, and it has a direction on the card, and it may be. Uh, just a one arrow pointing forwards, and what that would do is it would push the ball forward one space, um, or it may be pointing diagonally to the left, and so it would push the ball diagonally one space to the left. Um, so the idea is when you're doing table talk and team talk, um, Kieran, you might go first and say, right, I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go? Are we going to go for a spike? Um, and you know, I can say yes or no, and it's it, you need to talk around the way of uh, you need to talk strategy without telling each other what cards you have, um, and that's quite cool. That's quite fun as well. Um, and a spike is a cool thing as well. So if you've ever played volleyball um, in real life, 
you've got the, the three touch system so when the ball comes on your side of the net you're allowed to your team's allowed to touch it three times you know, you, you would pass pass and then do a spike mm-hmm. and try and slam the ball down um, the, the way the board game handles this is that uh, you play your three cards and um, you know so the first card you pass it to the play, the, the other player he plays his card to pass it back to you and then you play your card to get it over the net to your opponent's side um, and what happens now is normally your play, uh, when the ball comes to your side of the net then it's your turn to play cards um, but if it's on a spike then what happens is the player who's um, you know on uh, the ball who uh, I'll try that in English shall I words. <laughs> yes yeah use your big boy words the <laughs> person who is controlling the cat on that side where the ball has landed um, he presents his cards to you and you pick one random card and that becomes their whatever he's done so it could be a case of you've picked a card that knocks the ball out, or it could be uh, a case of the card comes, the ball comes straight back to you. Uh-huh. Um, so that's how you play, um, and when the ball comes, it uh, goes out. Uh, you score a point. You're playing the first to three points. Very quick, very simple game. It sounds quite cool. Yeah, it's really cool. The other cool thing, uh, just quickly about it as well, is the way that you refill your hand. So it's not a case of you, you know, you play a card, then draw a card. No, you start off with three cards apiece, um, and you play your three cards to get your, or you play your cards to get the ball across to your opponent's side of the field, um, and then they do the same. Uh, so, but what happens is when you play the ball over to their side, um, every time the ball switches position between the two of them. Uh, the first time it does it, you draw a card each. Mm-hmm. If they do it again, you draw another card. Okay. So anytime the ball switches between your two opponents, you you manage, you're allowed to draw one card to fill up your hand. So like the more, basically, if they're passing it around themselves. Yes, if they're passing it, a, up with. the longer it takes exactly. you to spike it over to their side, the more options your opponents are going to have when it gets back to their side. Yeah. So if you if you're trying to do a spike, if you're trying to do the three part the three touch, mm-hmm. then you're giving them two cards each. Yeah. But if you just play it straight back, um, you're limiting yourself. Well, you're you're playing less cards, but you're not giving them the chance to refill their hand as well. Uh-huh. Um, cool. And also, it, yeah. So it's another way to play the game as well because uh, on your turn, if you can't play any card, if you don't have any cards in your hand. Well, that's it. The ball goes out. You can't return the ball. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool. I'm glad that this game ended up being pretty cool because <laughs> yeah, it's that thing where we've had it sitting there for so long, and you know, it. I think we both, you picked it up for both of us pretty much because it has really cool box art and sounded like a neat, cute thing, but not yes. necessarily something we expected to be like a really good game. So yeah. if it is in fact also a good game, that's a nice bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah. I, I still need to get a game van. I've still not got mine to the table yet. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll try and make sure we get some a, a game of it in before we, we do some Game of the Year stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but uh, you've been playing games we spoke about uh, we spoke about a couple of times before on the podcast as well. 
Um, so you, we've only played it once, but you have, uh, you were playing uh, some more Insider. Yeah, uh, I played Insider with a group of people. Um, it went down pretty well. It was, you know, people don't know we talked about it before, but Insider is basically twenty questions, but with a hidden role mechanic to it. So uh, everyone. Because everyone closes their eyes except for one person who is the game master that turn. And they flip over a card from the top of a deck. And that card has like six or seven or something like that wards on it. And mm-hmm. the next card at the top of the deck has a number on the back of it. All the cards have numbers on the back of them. Um, but the one that's at the top of the deck now has a number that they look at. And then they look at that word on the card. So if it's four, they'll look at the fourth word down and be like, that is the word for this round. They close their eyes, and then someone who is who has picked up the card of the insider opens their eyes, and they also look at it. And so they know also what the word is. Mm-hmm. And they close their eyes again, the game master opens their eyes, puts the card back on top of the deck, and then uh, everyone opens their eyes. And everyone has to ask yes or no questions to the game master, to try and narrow down and figure out what the word is. And the insider knows what the word is and is trying to guide people towards it without getting caught. Um, so it's got this weird kind of situation where it's a hidden role game where you're not trying to mislead people. It's kind of the opposite. Like you're trying to... Almost all hidden role games, like the main thing is you're trying to pretend to be the friends of people when actually you're stabbing them in the back. Um, But the only stabbing in the back you're doing an insider is you win if they don't figure out who you are, but you also only win if they guess the right word. So it's this weird thing where you're you're trying to help people, but not too much. Um, (laughs) And yeah, it was it was fun. Um, There was nothing super standout about our game session. It was very similar to the last time we played it. Um, You know, everyone seemed to enjoy it quite a lot we went through a few rounds of it and uh, everyone got a chance to be the insider everyone got a chance to be the the game master everyone got a chance to be just normal people um, and we never got stuck in the weird mining fucking nonsense mountain one that we got when we all played <laughs> it which was a bizarre one um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like that came up, um, and we it was pretty balanced. Like we had like a few games where it was very clear who the insider was, but actually, there was in particular one person who was really good at not giving it away at all. And so, by the end, it kind of got to the point of if we don't know who the insider is, guess it's him because it's probably him because right. he's really good at making you not <laughs> think it's him. So, um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I. I really enjoy that. I love those little link games, as I've said before. Yeah, yeah, no, they are they're they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, speaking of oink games, you played yes. three oink games. I think we could probably, or yeah, three. We could probably yes. roll into yeah. one or four actually. We could probably just roll into one thing here. Uh, yes. You played Mask Men, Troll, yep. Deep Sea Adventure, and the Fake Artist Goes to New oh, York. Oh God, yes, yeah, yeah. So, um. Fake I have Maskman sitting on this desk right in front of me. <laughs> I'm still not actually playing it. Uh, so, um, Fake Artist Goes to New York, we've spoken about it loads of times. Um, we had a lot of fun. 
um, playing that at the, the Glasgow Games Festival. Uh, it was, I think, the second or third game once everyone kind of arrived and got everyone into it and had fun. Um, I started off the, the game as um, being, you know, the, the sort of, what do you, I don't know what you call him, the, the kind of master he picks the, the, the category. Yeah, I think, and the, I think the subject. term that the instruction the, the uses is game master. That's, yeah. It's not the one that Insider uses, actually. I just remembered it from Fake Artist. Oh, All right. So, right. That's what um, so yes, yeah. Um, so I explained everything, and what I went with was um, Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Was what everyone had to draw, and explained how the game works. And the, the clue that I gave was movie action hero. Um, so it went with uh, that, and we ended up with oh, the, the drawings were absolutely <laughs> horrendous. They're all yeah. Yeah, what I did find with uh, this time as well is we used bigger, um, you know, we used full sheets of paper rather than the small ones given yeah. in the box. Yeah. Um, what I noticed with the people that were played with this time, because they were trying to be obscure and they were trying to, you know, um, physically fool the, the artist or the fake artist, um, what they would do is you would draw something, so they were drawing Indiana Jones and somebody drew a hat. Um, somebody else, they drew the big boulder, right? So they drew something separate. Yeah, and you then just somebody a else... collection of items, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas if you're playing with the smaller pieces of paper, you wouldn't really be able to do that. Yeah, you kind of have to, because you've not got much space. You kind of just have to yeah. draw the one thing. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of... I prefer it with the little notebook, but I do think... I do actually still quite like that thing of people yeah. just drawing a kind of assortment of items. Um, yeah, um, so yeah. it is quite... Um, it, it's fun how it kind of changes the game a little bit as well, yeah, so I think definitely. maybe it would be a good idea to play with a mix of both. Yeah, because we play the, uh, on a whiteboard. Yeah. Um, so we just had like a big whiteboard on the table and then people could just draw on it. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that game. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Troll, uh, we spoke about before, was the, the bidding game where yeah. people are going into the cave and um, what they're doing is they don't know the strength of the troll. So... Um, the card is upside down. They have a look at the card, and then they will place a bid. Um, if it's if they've had a look at the card and they know the strength of the troll, the bid is shown face up. Uh, and what they can do as well is they can do a blind bid. So based on what uh, all the bids that they can see in front of them, they can place a bid face down without looking at the troll card, and that value is now become double. That. You know, so if they if they bid the correct amount and they don't get caught by the troll, they will get double the points. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we've spoken about it before on the podcast. Uh, played it again. Fantastic. Uh, just a cracking oint game. Really, really good. Uh, Mask Men. I'll talk about Mask Men very quickly as well. So Mask Men is an oint game that I don't think is that good. Yeah, I've kind of heard that. I kind of it was one of the ones that asked you to pick me up but that was mainly yeah. just because I really like the art and the tokens because oh, it comes with little yes. tokens that are just luchador masks yes. but I've still not actually played it yet so yeah the the, the art is absolutely stunning the, the cards are um, 
you know, very uh, just um, the cards, the pictures of the masks. Yeah, they're just um, big, simple, like you know, flat images of the masks. They're just super yeah. basic and bright and colourful. They're great. Yeah. So the the way the game plays is uh, on your turn, um, the first person to play will play a coloured mask, and they will only play one. Um, the next player, they can play um, another colour, um, but what they would need to do is they would need to play two mm-hmm. of these. Um, on the next person after that um, can play uh, three. They can play three cards um, of a different colour. Okay, the, the first round will always be like that. Someone will play one card, someone will play two cards, someone will play three cards. Um, then what happens is as you play a card um, so the person that played uh, the blue card uh, the number one you take a blue mask and you put it down if someone plays two greens they take the green mask and they put it on top of the blue one signifying that the blue, the blue wrestler uh, sorry the green wrestler is more stronger than the blue uh-huh. and then some someone plays the three yellow, uh, orange cards that, that means that the orange wrestler is stronger than both green and blue okay okay um at the end of that you clear all the three cards away and you start another round the object of the game is to um get rid of your all the cards you have in your hand so now you can play any card that you wish but you play one card so let's play let's say for example you play a a green a green wrestler so we know green is uh, he's the second strongest. So that's fine. That means now that you can if if you play an orange you can play an orange card because we know the orange is stronger than green. Um, you can't play a blue card because we know blue's at the bottom of the pile. He's at the bottom of the totem. Uh-huh. Um, but if you play pink, and this is where the game gets rather confusing, <laughs> if you play pink. We, we know that pink is stronger than blue, but we don't know for a fact that he's stronger than green. Right. So it's now got this weird ranking system. Yeah. And the way that the, way that the rules are written, um, the rules grammatically are written very well, but they're not, they're not structurally written well. Yeah. I um, feel like most of like, stuff, they... The rules writers are more, you know, experienced with writing the super simple things like Insider and uh, Fake Artist and things. And this one seems like it's got that level of complexity that the other ones don't really have. Yeah, yeah. So I was was really struggling to try and get my head around it. The first time that we played it, we played it in Germany and we knew we were playing the game wrong. So what we did was we kind of adapted it to make sense. And we had fun with it, and it, it, the cards are beautiful, and the, the little tokens are great, and things. Um, and we put it away, and we said, right, we'll we'll get tore into this properly when we get back home, and we've got time to look into it. And I just couldn't get my head around this whole ranking system. It just uh, the rules are not very clear on how to do it. So normally, your your best bet then is to go to the internet. Yeah. You know, you have a look on YouTube for videos. Or have a look on Board Game Geek. So if you have a look on Board Game Geek for any information on Mask Men, you'll see some information, but you won't see many reviews. You'll see one video review from a guy, oh, and I forget where he's from, uh, a pleasant, 
pleasant enough guy on his video. Um, I think it's called Push Your Luck. I think he's from Singapore or somewhere as well. Um, okay. Good video, um, good content and things. But he's running through the game and he's telling you how the, the ranking works. And I thought, great, this is what I was looking for. But all he's doing is it, he is word for word repeating what was in the, the rule book. Ah, uh, okay. And so he, not, he, was, so he was kind of, uh, he was he was stuttering, uh, you know, he was kind of just running over it and, and that was it. I don't think he understood it either. Yeah. So, it, <laughs> um, yeah, I think possibly I'd, you'd need to get your hands on um, somebody that's, that speaks Japanese and has the original Japanese version of the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, this one comes with oh. Japanese rules. Ah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Japanese could read it. Um, yes. Yeah, like I actually have it in front of me right now. I just kind of have a look through the rules, and I guess I don't know. There's an entire section of the rules dedicated to how to arrange the strength markers. Yeah, and the the example they give is not the best. It, no. it gets so far and you go, right, okay, well, tell me the rest. Tell me the rest of the, the sequence. And it seems to think that you should know what the sequence is. You know, it's it, the the way it's written, it's like, right, well, I've explained enough to you, move on. So, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Mask Men, I just can't get my head around it. So I don't think that much of it at the moment. Yeah. Um, you could house rule uh, when I was playing with it and um, I ended up house ruling it just running through it myself and I found a, a fun variant to go with it so you know quite possibly do that if you've got some time and things like that but um, yeah uh, but the the crown jewel apart from fake artist has to be deep sea adventure yeah I've been wanting to try this one out for a while as well actually oh so much fun um, deep Sea Adventure is a very quick game where you are uh, all deep sea divers and uh, the, there is a little submarine which you all start on and you're all in uh, the submarine and there are little tiles. Um, the tiles have treasure on the back of them and the treasure is uh, points. Um, there are four different levels of treasure um, and uh, the, what you do is you put all the number ones all down in a row then you put the number twos, then the number threes and number fours. Uh, so obviously the deeper, the deeper you dive, the, the better treasure you will find. Um, when a, the, the twist to the game is that everyone is sharing the same air supply. Okay. So when you are diving down, you, um, you don't use any air. You know, it's, it's okay. It's fine. Uh, you're, that's how diving point- works. No, not <laughs> really. No, hold their breath as they're going down, and then they start to yeah, breathe as they um, come back up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but it, it's yeah, uh, going down the way you don't use any air, it's fine. Should you pick up any? Should you pick up any treasure? Okay, so when uh, what happens is you roll your dice, you roll the dice, and you move the number of of pips. You know what? So if you roll a, a four, you move four spaces down. Yeah. Now, on at the end of your turn, you can say that's fine, um, or you can pick up that treasure. If you pick up that treasure on your next turn, you're going to use air. You're going to exert yourself because you're now carrying something heavy. Okay, mm-hmm. and what you do is you reduce the 
shared air capacity or the, the shared air that you have, you reduce it by one for each treasure that you're holding. Okay. Okay. You're breathing um, more because you're carrying things. That makes sense. That's how I work. Yes, that that makes sense, yeah. Um, and so you pick up a piece of treasure and you reduce the air. You can continue to dive down and go for more treasure or you can make your way back up. Okay. okay. Uh, so, um, so generally, yeah, it is push your luck. Generally, what normally happens is that uh, everyone will dive down and they'll get to a certain level and they'll have a look to the next player to see if he's going to go any deeper. Because uh, what happens is uh, before you roll your dice, you have to declare whether you're heading up the way or you're, you know, whether you're, you're keeping yeah. diving down. Um, and generally, nobody will pick up treasure until they're ready to go back. Mm-hmm. So if somebody picks up treasure, you go, ah, that bastard's going to go the next time they're heading back. So it's normally the kind of telltale sign that they're heading back. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so once that happens, then it's a mad race to pick up as much treasure as you can hold and head back up. The other twist about holding treasure is so not only um, so when you pick up treasure at the end of your last turn on your next turn, like I said, you decrease your air. But after you've rolled your dice, uh, whatever result you've got, you re- you have to take off then um, reduce that result by the number of pieces of treasure you have. Oh, okay. So, so if it's you roll, weighing you down basically. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So if you roll a three and you've got two pieces of treasure, you can only move one space. It sounds really cool. Yeah. And the other thing about the dice, the dice only go up to three, and there's two dice. <laughs> so the, the most you can ever roll is six. So it, it, eventually, it becomes this mad race to get up to the top. Um, and if some people think that they're not going to, um, they're not going to make it back to the top they will just pick up more treasure to make sure you don't get back to the top either. So, <laughs> so the air runs have, out. Is there a limit? Could you just pick up six bits of treasure? You could pick just up six roll zeros over and over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and all you're doing is you're using up the air. Yeah. Um, so what happens is if every, if you drown uh-huh. uh, at the end of the round, you, know, you drown so you don't keep that treasure. And what happens is the uh, oh the the one thing I forgot to mention is when you pick up a piece of treasure you put a blank marker where it was. Okay. So that so that kind of so the 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 treasures laid up it looks like stepping stones. Yeah. And when you pick up a piece of treasure you pick up that and you put a blank marker um, in its space so everyone can still you know step on that stepping yeah. stone as it were. Um, at the end of the round. Um, if you made it back to the boat, uh, you keep your treasure that you got. Um, the treasure of the people that drowned, um, what happens to that is it gets placed at the bottom of the treasure trail. Okay. So uh, you put that at the bottom of the treasure trail, but see all the blank stepping stones? Mm-hmm. You remove those and you move everything up. So okay. now what you've done, now what you've done is see your trail. Uh, some of the more valuable stuff has, ca- has come closer floating up to the top of the surface. Yeah. So it's easier to get that stuff. So cool. on the second round, yeah, um, the game's played for three rounds. Um, really fast, really simple, and a hell of a lot of fun. 
Um, especially when people realize that they're not going to make it back to the top <laughs> and they just start fucking with you. Um, so we had a lot of fun with that. Um, people really enjoyed it. Yeah, I will try that one. Um, and you're, yeah. It does you're, sound a lot of fun. Yeah, throughout all of this, your wife was posting lots of pictures to Facebook of all this stuff. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> and DC Adventure was one of the ones I saw and was like, that just looks nice. And you just end up with this big trail of these kind of stepping stones yes. all coming down to the, or coming up to the, the sub, basically. And it's yeah. just a nice looking thing. Uh, yeah. Um, the thing I love about that game, though, is like most, well, like all Oink games, is the small little box and you can put it in your pocket and. Yeah. You know, you you bring it out. You you can put it in a jacket pocket. Bring it out a jacket pocket when you're in a pub or when you're in a restaurant somewhere, and it takes up quite quite a decent space. It looks quite you know impressive when it's out on the table and you're playing yeah. it. And people walk up and go, "What is that?" <laughs> um, so yeah, really cool. Yeah, I we've said a lot, but Oint games are so good. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, all the Oint games we played. Um, you played, uh, speaking of games that we've played before as well and loved, you played Deception again. Yes. Um, oh, I, won't, I won't talk too much about Deception, but you know we've talked about it before. It's a hidden role game. One person's a murderer. Everyone is a detective, and they're trying to figure out which one of the detectives is the murderer. And mm-hmm. you have four evidence cards and four uh, murder weapon or murder method cards because I called them murder weapons when explaining them and then someone was like this one is a potted plant I was like it's a murder weapon and the other one was like this one is a guy strangling someone I was like that's a weapon (laughs) kinda so you know they're not always weapons Um, but we had kind of a fun thing happen where we were randomly shuffling out who was the uh, like the one running it, who was the one that was the, you know, the murderer, etc., etc., as you do. Um, but someone joined us like two rounds in, like he was, you know, he showed up a bit late. And I explained the rules to him. I was like, "Don't worry too much. You probably won't end up being the murderer first time, and we'll figure it out. And you can, you know, you can see like the first round or two. And the first two mm-hmm. rounds, he was the murderer. <laughs> like he just happened to get." drawn to him oh god so it was him jumping around he did quite well though um we had a couple of times where people just got caught instantly um and then a couple of times where there was the murder that got away like right till the end so you know it was a good i think more often than not like i think it is harder than a lot of other hidden role games um if you're the one that is the murderer like you are the hidden basically it's kind of hard to get away with it compared to some other games but it's still such a fun fun thing right um yeah some of the best production values in one of those games because it's a nice yes. looking thing yeah um i don't know if I'd, i mentioned to you that uh when we were in germany at uh essen spiel we went past um the dice tower podcast um so we went past their their booth yeah. And they were selling tickets to the big show and things like that. But what they did have as well is um, when they do their big Kickstarter, I, I don't know if they go on Kickstarter or, but when they do their, their yearly funding drive, yeah. they make contact with um, various game developers and things and they'll give them promos. 
And what they do is uh, they always keep a little stash of them so they can sell them when they're at conventions and things. Uh-huh. And one of the promos, well, actually, the only promo I was interested from uh, the ones that they had was the special set of um, Dice Tower promos that they made for Deception. Oh, no. Did you get them? Yeah. I did, yes. Oh, yeah. Where um, are they? They are, uh, I think there's the microphone. There's a trilby hat because Tom Basso always yeah. wears a hat and there was something else as well I don't know I want to say a meeple but I'm pretty sure that the meeple's already in there yeah I remember there being a, a meeple one at some point yeah. yes yeah um, so the, yeah there, there is another the one or two as well um, cool. they, it was quite pricey but it was one of those things that yeah we'll just do it anyway it was a, I think it was five or six euros for three or four cars yeah. but yeah it was that was quite cool. It's cool. Excellent. Um, so the only thing we have left our board game list. Yes. Is Dead of Winter: The Long Night. Yeah. Um, so I, astute listeners will be going. Hang on a sec. I'm sure there was a couple of more games you mentioned at the beginning that Paul mentioned. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. We've uh, we, we've Paul didn't mention them. We'll, we'll edit those out. Um, we'll talk about those at one point because um, we didn't really get too much time with them, um, and you know we're conscious that we're running a little bit long. But Dead of Winter: The Long Night is the we spoke about it before. It's a standalone expansion to Dead of Winter, so it can be played on its own or it can be combined with Dead of Winter. Uh, we played it as a standalone game. Um, but we didn't use any of the modules. Um, so we spoke before about the different modules that you can get. There's the module that brings in the bandits, um, and the bandits will attack your camp, and they will steal things and basically be a nuisance, and you need to deal with them. You can even try and raid their camp and steal things from them. If you exile somebody um, from your your party, they will become the, the leader of the bandits, and they can cause all sorts of trouble. Um there, there is the Raxon experimental lab module, and that basically take it turns uh, Dead of Winter into a little bit like Resident Evil. There's, you know, a beastie zombies that come out and things like that. And there is also the improvements module, and it's uh, basically where you can build things around the camp. So you may be able to build a turret. Um, or you may be able to find a, a broken television and DVD player and get it working again. Uh, essentially, that turns uh, Dead of Winter into State of Decay. Okay. Because you know, you're doing foraging and then you're yeah. building these improvements. Um, so uh, we didn't play with any of those because we play we were playing with a um, uh, friend of the show, uh, Tony, who's been on the, the podcast uh, a long time ago playing with Tony and his wife who were she's not she plays a little bit of board games but you know she hadn't played Dead of Winter before so what we did we thought we'd just play vanilla Dead of Winter but with new characters that nobody played before and new scenarios and things so apart from the the physical uh, upgrades of the components so that um that Dead of Winter The Long Night has they've changed a couple of other things uh, both of you have played Dead of Winter before or I still not oh you haven't 
Uh, I think Paul has. Um, and uh, but I, I'm thinking Paul is not listening to us at the moment, so I'm not getting a response. <laughs> but uh, yes. Uh, but anyway, um, we noticed a couple of things with uh, Dead of Winter that had changed, especially within the secret objectives. Yeah. So uh, the, the big thing is that everyone has a secret objective, and possible uh, one of the characters or one of the players could possibly be a traitor who's trying to tank the entire mission. And he's again, you know, just a, a hidden, hidden role uh, where they're trying to do it surreptitiously and not get caught. Because if they get caught, you can exile them. Um, now, in the original game, the everyone's secret objectives were some of them could be if you got caught doing your secret objective, it may look like you were doing something to harm the group because it may ask you to stockpile medicine and things like that. A couple of the cards that we were playing with um, in this game were a little bit more gentler. Um, so the, uh, the the secret objective that I had that I was playing with was that I had to be an explorer. It was called the Explorer. And what they wanted me to do is I had to keep in my possession um, items from three different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't sound like it can be too difficult but where it can be um, a little bit tricky is where if you're depending on the scenario that you're playing and what you're trying to do um, you know you you may be best putting a character in a location and basically stripping it you know going through the the item deck in a, a certain location and stripping it bare before moving on to another one so uh if that and that's what had happened, that's what we decided was that the best thing to do was basically mine two or three locations because it was the best chance we had of getting the items that we needed to finish the game. Um, so I'm now, you know, it looks like we're getting very close to winning the game, and I'm looking and I'm going, I need to get to more locations. Mm-hmm. And the minute I moved one of the characters, it was like, why are you doing that? Why are you moving? And it was like, oh, I'm just going over there to help somebody. I was like, okay, that's fine. Uh, and you go and you help somebody, and you you need to make sure that you, in in the same way that you're helping them, you need to try and search that place as well, get get at least one item that you can keep, and then head back and do what you were doing. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we found those, uh, they were a lot more gentle. Um, and a a little bit easier to achieve as well, which was quite cool. Yeah, um, like, I don't know, is that a good thing or? Um, it's. I don't know if I've ever heard someone describe Dead of Winter as gentle before, like any part. Yeah. Like I don't know if that's necessarily so. <laughs> Having never well, played it, I don't know if that's. Right. Okay. The 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 whole thing is that it. The game is very tense. That that hasn't changed. The yeah. number of zombies that come out, the dangers that are still there. Okay, so it it's a very high tension game. That there is all these tense moments, uh, especially if you're searching and you're creating noise, you're rummaging, um, because what happens at that point is you've got a fifty-fifty chance of getting zombies to to appear at your location. Um, and if you're not equipped to deal with them, you can get them. They can easily overrun. And if they overrun any areas that you're in, you die instantly. Um, uh, there's also the tension of the 
the the encounter dice, uh, the exposure dice, uh, because you can pick up wounds. If you pick up more than three wounds, you're dead. If you roll the dreaded tooth, so the bite, uh, which signifies you being bit, mm-hmm. instant death. So you've got all these tense moments. Um, and in the past, you know, if you were trying to do deal with your secret objective as well, and your secret objective would be stockpile four pieces of medicine. In any game of Dead of Winter, medicine is at a premium. It always has to be kept. Yep. Um, yeah. And there may be a character that has access to, they can look at your hand. So if anyone ever finds out that you're stockpiling medicine, it may look like you're being the traitor. So it adds more tension. The fact that they've kind of toned down the the secret objective cards just makes it that little bit more gentler. And and but I'm not saying that the game's gentle because it isn't. (laughs) Yeah, that, Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, it was. It kind of balanced the game. I think maybe that is a better way of putting it. It seemed to balance it a little bit more. Um, the characters really like the characters um, so they've created new characters they've made them a bit more diverse so there is a, there's a short person um, who looks suspiciously like Peter Dinklage the, the artist must have you know, <laughs> they're drawing this um, distinguished guy and it does it looks like Peter Dinklage um, uh, there is um uh, there's a couple of characters, and I think they've got a, a couple of gay characters in there as well. Um, and the, the reason when you pick up, pick up their gay is because of the the crossroad cards. So the crossroad cards are the cards that have story flavor on them. Um, completely unnecessary, but it's nice because it's creating this whole world. Um, yeah. yeah. And not, there's no um, there's no agenda. You know, there's no feminist agenda, or there's no um, you know. It, it's just characters that you would meet in everyday life as well. Yeah. Um, and they, they've managed to, anytime they write about a character and they introduce a character in there, there is no stereotyping or anything as well. It, it feels like you could just bump into this person in the street and they're there, um, which is quite cool. The crossword car- um, story cards themselves, they have, um, they've got a couple of cards in there that are quite harsh and they deal with um, situations and things that you know that eh, you would see in a horror film the, the, yeah. the, the situation is straight from a horror film with uh, gory violence and, and maybe violence against women um, yeah. re- quite harsh cards but it, it fits into the, the whole thing as well um, the nice thing that they do with those cards as well is that they come in a little white packet with a warning telling you that these, this is what these cards do. They do have some harsh themes that some people may be accept, uh, some people may find accepting, uh, sorry, upsetting. So just, you know, bear this in mind with, bear your player group in mind before you add them in. Um, but yeah, it's more of Dead of Winter and it's nice. It was nice to play with different characters that we hadn't played with before. Um, and still um, saying that with the old Dead of Winter, you know, we've played with the characters and we it's nice to play with them and things, but we still haven't used all the crossroad cards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and I imagine w- even with all the crossroad cards we got with the new one, um, it will be a while before you, you run across a crossroad card that you've had before because what we do 
is when we play the game, we'll take all the crossroad cards and we just slide them underneath. Um, so eventually, you know, I think there's each game has it's a good couple of hundred, I think, um, of, of these crossroad cards. So it's going to take you a while to get through, you know, before you hit the doublers again. Um, and then what you could always do is the the thing is you it it's impossible for you to read all the crossroad cards because the way that the crossroad system works is uh, on your turn the person to your right has a look at the crossroad card they pick up the top crossroad card and they have a look and there's a little bit of text in italic it's the the, the justifier mm-hmm. and it says if uh, if a certain character is in a certain place then this happens if not you discard it, it goes underneath and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of cards that, you know, have been played in your game that you will never ever see uh, because somebody's checked the italics on it and went, up. Ah, it's not for this game and it goes underneath. Yeah. Um, so, which is quite a good thing as well. So, Dead of Winter, Long Night, pick it up if you don't have um, the original one. I think we spoke about this when... Uh, we first spoke about the long night that if you were going if you wanted dead of winter um then the long night would be a good shout because it comes with all the new modules and it still comes with the original gameplay experience um and it would be a good shout to pick that one up first and if you really liked it you could always get the original one as well yeah it definitely seems that way like yeah it's interesting that they've done it that way because it does seem like there's so much content in that you know, standalone expansion that is yes. just a game. Yeah, um, it, it is. Um, you know, um, definitely applaud them for the way that they've done it because they didn't. If you see all the content that's in, you know, all the new modular stuff, if you have a look at that and just take it outside the box and pile it up, it's mm-hmm. a shitload of components and cards and all of that. And uh, they didn't need to add in the base game again. But they did because there were certain other things they wanted to do. They wanted to change the artwork of the cards and put a couple of in-jokes. and um, Yeah, so it is definitely worth picking up. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that's it, I think, for all the board games we played. Yeah. Do we have yeah. some news? News! We will parse through pretty quickly because we are super long right now. Um, Yes. Star Wars Battlefront's getting Rogue One DLC. We already knew about this, but they showed a trailer for it. It looks cool. It does. It looks awesome. Um, I should really get Battlefront. I don't know if you should at this point. Like, this stuff looks cool, and I'll probably jump back into it for this DLC, but. Like in terms of multiplayer shooters, there's so many newer and better ones now. Like I would say, you should get Overwatch more than anything else. But fair enough, you can actually pick it up for like twenty five quid now. Yeah, so. or Titanfall two, because Titanfall two fell to like twenty quid over Black Friday, even though it just came out and is very close to being on my game of the year list this year. Um, but yeah, um, Stardew Valley, it's coming to Xbox One in two weeks. Uh, they also yes. announced, they had announced it was coming to Wii U as well, but they cancelled the Wii U version and said they're now making it for Switch. So Oh, okay. Uh, there was a couple of different things that got announced this week, actually, that people have said 
uh, indie developers are starting to come out saying they're working on stuff for the Switch. Um, oh God, I forget his name. The guy that made Binding of Isaac and uh, oh, Super well, um, um, yes, something McMullen or McMillan or something. Uh, Ed, 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 Edward. Um, yes, yeah. But yeah, he, he came out and said his next project's going to be on Switch. Um, oh, okay. Which I think is another update for Binding of Isaac, if I'm remembering right. Um, so yeah, Nintendo getting those indie developers on board, which is good. It's good to see. Um, PlayStation Plus got announced for December. It looks um, okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd say better than okay. It looks pretty great. Um, has Invisible Ink, which is a fantastic game. Uh, it's basically a stealth XCOM. It's so yeah. good. So good. I mean, I I don't... I'm saying it looks okay because I actually don't know the games that's there. So um, you I like can't XCOM, didn't you? I do like XCOM. You'll yeah. probably quite like Invisible Ink then because it is, okay. it is cool. XCOM, but applied to being a cool... Spy hacker dude. All right, okay, um, cool. It's like that a cyberpunk cool. XCOM. It's really good. Oh, that does sound pretty good. Um, okay. Stories: The Path of Destinies, which is an action role-playing game. Um, I've not played this one. I seem to remember us mentioning it at some point for some reason. Though. Uh, Probably just released lists or something. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I remember looking at screenshots for it. It looks alright. Yep. Um. But then the kind of bigger ones are. Da, 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 there's VVVVV. Wait, hold on. VVVVVV. Six Vs. Which is coming to the Vita. Um, which is also is being released for Vita. It's not currently on Vita, I don't think. Um, so you both play that on Vita now. Um, which that is right. one yep. of my favorite platformers like of all time. Like it, that game is fantastic. Um, yeah. The, the core mechanic of that game is that you don't have a jump button. Uh, every time you hit a button, you flip gravity. And so yes. you use that to get through the levels, and it's so good. It's super fucking hard, but it's so good. Uh, and it has one of the best soundtracks as well. Um, what else yeah. we got? Uh, Hyper Void is coming. Uh, that's coming to PS4, PS3, and Vita. Um, it's a arcade kind of shoot 'em up style game. Yep. Um Tiny Troopers Join Ops or Joint Ops, which is a thing. I don't know what that <laughs> A thing that happened. Tiny Troopers Oh, it's like a kinda isometric sure. It looks kinda like a phone game. Um that one's not super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um and also uh Color Guardians, which is a a platformer with kind of like puzzle elements. Yeah. Um, which looks kind of neat as well. But I think if nothing else, like VVVV and also in uh, Invisible Ink makes this kind of a a real good month for those kind of games. Um, yep. Yeah. Cool. Uh, other cool. news. Um, by the time this podcast is out. Like we are recording this before the Game Awards and before PSX, but by yep. the time this comes out, those will both have happened because Game Awards is tonight at like two in the morning our time or something like that. Right. Um, and PSX is tomorrow or sorry, it's a Saturday I think. 
Yes. Um, and there's going to be a bunch of stuff announced by then. So we're going. The one thing I'd say is a rumor, but by the time this comes out, it might have been confirmed. Uh, is Marvel vs. Capcom Four is rumored to be announced at PSX? Um, yep. PlayStation exclusive, like Street Fighter Four, uh, Street Fighter Five was. Um, it makes sense given Capcom's current financial state and the way they are currently only making games when they're being funded by someone else. Yeah. Um, the major rumor around it also is saying that the X Men will not be in it, which is a <clears throat> large portion of Marvel vs. Capcom's roster. Um, so. Why Why are they not going to be on it? Uh, because uh, Marvel's been, in general, reducing the amount of X-Men stuff they're doing. Oh, okay. Because they don't yeah. have the movie rights. Yeah. Right. Um, so they created the Part humans of... to kind of replace the X-Men, but then the humans didn't really catch on. Yes. Um, but in general, uh, there's been, like, uh, there's someone had a good list of it on NeoGAF. There's been, like, 20 or so like you know licensed games over the past like five years including marvel stuff and the only one to include x-men in it was marvel heroes and that was because they came out they actually came out before that they just updated so right. yeah they had earlier license and stuff but marvel has not been licensing x-men for anything recently um, oh okay so not really since are... disney took over basically yeah like the the rumors are like, you know, this has been hard confirmed, but the rumours are basically Disney wants those movie rights back because they want to be making all of their X-Men monies. And, yes. you know, Spider-Man less so because um, Sony has kind of, you know, signed the deals to let yeah. Spider-Man be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all that. Um, yeah. yes. But X-Men and Fantastic Four are just like dead as far as Marvel is concerned. They're still releasing comics for them because they still sell, but they're definitely, you know, not putting the money behind it the way they used to. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, X-Men are a big part of that roster, so that includes people like Deadpool and stuff as well. Um, yeah. Wolverine has been in, like, every single Marvel vs. Capcom game. The Marvel vs. Yeah. Capcom games started because of the... Uh, X-Men versus... Was X-Men versus Capcom what it was called? What was the X-Men fighting game that came before that? Um, but yeah, there was an X-Men fighting game that was basically Marvel vs. Capcom before Marvel vs. Capcom was that. Um, right. And that was kind of where this founded, so it'd be really weird to have this without X-Men. But the yeah. rumour is they're going to be replacing them basically with Marvel Cinematic Universe characters, so expect to see like the Guardians of the Galaxy in this. Yeah, which Doctor Strange. Yeah, I mean, Rocket Raccoon and Doctor Strange were both in MVC three, but I could see like Groot being in it. Um, I think Captain Marvel's probably shooing because they've been pushing her real hard in the comics, and also she's got a movie coming up. Yep. Um, yeah. I would really like it if the new Miss Marvel was in it as well. Yeah, she's like that is like one of the most fantastic comics on the go at the moment. Yeah, Kamala Khan is like one of the best things they've done. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. By the time this podcast is out, the game will probably already have been announced. So yeah, yeah. So. Cool. Cool. Um, other news. Uh, the only more other thing I've got here is there was a fan-made CGI uh, Majora's Mask film 
that you can go see. Um, there's not much to talk about on this one, but it's really cool. People should definitely see it. Um, cool. It's just it's called Majora's Mask: Terrible Fate, um, which is from like one of the first lines in Majora's Mask is, "Oh, you've encountered a terrible fate." Um, it's really cool. Even if you don't like Majora's Mask, it's just dark, creepy. Some of the best CG like I've pretty much ever seen. Like it's super detailed. Like it's amazing for a fan project, but it's amazing just in general. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend people look at that. Um, but that's all the news I've got here. Um, as I said, like there will be a lot more stuff coming out over the next couple of days. So yeah. next week will uh-huh. probably be a very news-heavy podcast. Um, but we shall see. Cool. Cool. Excellent. Uh, new releases. Um, well, let's see. New releases in terms of there's only three things. Um, on so December the sixth, uh, for PC and Xbox One, we've got Dead Rising Four coming up. Hey. Um, and there is for uh, it's a a VR game for PC, so that will be Oculus and PS4 is Werewolves Within. From Ubisoft. That okay. is. Um, is that that sounds? Like, didn't they have a? Didn't they have a game called Fighters Within or something? It's not that. That if I remember this right, I'm gonna look actually. Uh, that is Werewolf, like the card game. Like that is. Oh. The hidden really? roll card game, but in VR. Oh God. Which sounds kind of cool. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Oh, <laughs> it could be awesome. Oh. No, no. I doubt no. it will be, um, but... No, yeah. no, it doesn't no. sound awesome at all. Why not? Werewolf's <laughs> okay. I I don't like Werewolf. We've spoke about Werewolf before. Yeah I'm, why... still not, yeah, I'm still not a big fan of player elimination, but... Yeah. It's not got the uh, large player counts that you know Werewolf generally supports, so... Yeah. It could be a bit shorter I, and stuff. I yeah, know. bizarre. Um, but uh, the only other game that is well on the list and also worth mentioning uh, coming out December 9th big one for you Kieran The Last Guardian never heard of it yay never heard of it never heard of it oh well I'm probably not going to pick that up before we do our game of the year stuff probably The Last Guardian probably will not be mentioned much in Game of the Year. Which yeah, I I probably won't be picking it up either. Um, yeah, I and I won't be pick, I probably won't be picking up Dead Rising 4 either. Yeah, I have no interest in Dead Rising 4, even though I have an Xbox One now. Like, whatever. I've never been a big Dead Rising fan anyway, and that one doesn't seem like it has the elements that made Dead Rising interesting anyway. Yeah. 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 So. It's so weird to think we're but, getting right to the end of the year. I know, yeah. That, that's what I'm. I'm looking here and I'm going. Why is this so? There's not that many yeah. games, but we've already had all the big stuff come yeah, out. I so. scrolled yeah. slightly further down the list and I was like, "Oh, Gravity Rush Two is coming out soon." I was like, "That's January." And I was like, "January <laughs> soon? Oh shit!" Yeah, yeah, legitimately, very fucking close to the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Sure, so Almost uh, that's it. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> that's it for um, <laughs> new releases. Uh, I think also that's uh, we're getting close to that's it for this episode of the podcast. Yeah, indeed. 
Cool. So if uh, you have any comments, concerns, or you want to send us an email and tell us to shut the fuck up because it's been dragging on and on and on and on, and you've been listening to the same podcast for four days now, you can do so by sending us an email <laughs> to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com, or you can send us an abusive tweet on Twitter uh, at uh, glitchfreegame, or you can find us on Facebook and just tell us to calm the fuck down. Like, how you? Just gonna split the podcast into two. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. All our episodes are also now on uh, Board Game Geek. So if you're into board games and you're talking Board Game Geek, you can leave comments and stuff on there and we'll see them as well. Yes. Yes. So that would also, be Also, thankfully, if you're only interested in one section of the podcast, they are now time stamped. Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so, with that, is there. Uh, any last minute things we you need to mention or care to mention? Um, um, I caught so really those. Good. I caught one of those crazy sleeping all the time koalas. Uh, fair enough. Sleep. <laughs> it's living the life that I want to have. Yeah. Like no, you don't. You don't up. because what? Just one day you wake up dead. And that's not... Listen, according to the Pokedex, he did. How do you wake up if you're dead? I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe he went... Maybe he woke up and went, fuck it, I'm dead. (laughs) So he woke up then died. No, no, he woke woke up as a Gengar. That's, (laughs) I guess, actually, yes. In the Pokemon universe, you can actually wake up dead because you'd just be a ghost Pokemon. (laughs) Woke up as a Gengar. You've got me there. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, we will leave it there and we will speak to you again next week. So until then, see you later. Bye. Bye.